MRN's Classic Races are brought to you by Hercules Tires. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Today. Sponsored by Goody's Headache Powders and Extra Strength Tablets, the official pain reliever of NASCAR. Good morning, everyone, from Riverside, California. Today, they'll wrap up the 1986 Winston Cup season. There could be some major changes in the Winston Cup point standings among the top ten, although Mike Joy, a couple of weeks ago, Dale Earnhardt, and the Ranger team of Richard Childress wrapped up the Winston Cup championship. There's still a lot at stake here today. Everybody's counting, Barney. Tim Richmond is third. He's just 21 points back of Darrell Waltrip. One of them will be the runner-up to the champion. And you say, well, faint victory in being the bridesmaid or second-place finisher, but there is a lot of money from Winston at stake to the driver that finishes second as opposed to third. And all down through the point standings, fourth and fifth. Bill Elliott's fourth. Ricky Rudd is fifth in the points, just 33 markers back. And all through the top ten and even the top 25, back where the independent drivers battle for a position on the NASCAR plans for 1987 appearance money. A lot of good point battles will follow today. Three drivers in the field have one final shot to get a victory in 1986. Of course, Buddy Baker, who is out here at Riverside, California, the Crisco car, Richard Petty and the STP Pontiac, and Harry Gannon, the Skull Bandit, would like nothing better than to win here today. I expect a couple of those cars will be very strong. Baker makes no secret that he's not a good road course driver, but he enjoys running here. But he says, I'm not one of the better ones. It'd take a lot of circumstances for me to win the race. Darrell Waltrip and Neil Bonnet close out their careers with Junior Johnson here today, and we'll have some thoughts about that a little bit later. 42 cars are now qualified for the Winston Western 500 here this afternoon. Weather's a little bit cool. In fact, it was a little overcast early this morning. The sun has popped through right now. should be just about a perfect day for the race. And an interesting field, Barney. Many of the Winston Cup regulars are here. Baker, as you mentioned, hadn't planned to make the trip but did. So are all the cars that run the entire 29 race schedule. A lot of the West Coast drivers are here. Herschel McGriff, the ageless veteran, seeks to win the Winston West Championship against 23-year-old Rookie of the Year in that division, Chad Little. They're separated by 10 points going into today's race. And some veteran road race drivers from the right left turn circuits of the world. Last year's cart, IndyCar champion Al Unser is here in a Dingman Brothers Pontiac. And Jim Fitzgerald from Clemens, North Carolina, Paul Newman's teammate on the Dotson Trans Am factory team, is also here driving a Chevrolet. Interesting mix of drivers and cars. Most of the drivers think it'll be the best race we've had at Riverside with a lot of the pressure off for the Winston Championship being settled. Couldn't help but laugh a little bit at Darrell Waltrip yesterday. Of course, he lost his bid at Atlanta a few weeks ago to have a shot to come here and maybe win the championship. And I asked him, you got to have mixed emotions because there's no pressure on you here, but still. It just makes me hot that Earnhardt didn't have to come out here and sweat a little bit. That's the only thing I hated. Uh, I wish it had been a deal where he had had to come here and known or felt some of the things that I felt the three years that we came out here trying to win the thing. Riverside is a racetrack that takes a tremendous amount of discipline to run on, and if you got the points hanging over your head and knowing that that's uh, that's the most important thing, it certainly does make you a little edgy. I never really got to see him edgy. He had enough lead on me and enough cushion on me that he could be cocky and confident, which he's good at anyway. So, uh, yeah, it's nice to be here and not have to worry about the Winston Cup. But it's also would have been nice to have come here and been able to apply a little pressure and had some fun. Got a feeling there will be plenty of pressure between these two before the day is over, should neither one of them have mechanical problems. We'll be back at Riverside, California in a minute. Hey, Mike, you ever get around to trying that fried okra? Well, not yet, Richard. You don't see it much up north. I'll see if I can find you some the next time you're in Level Cross. 
What do you fast-talking Yankees do for pain relief? Well, I'm a goodies headache powder man, but most people up north like tablets. That's why the goodies people have given you a choice, powders or tablets. Either way, goodies contain the most effective combination of pain relievers you can buy without a prescription. Just read the label. North or south, powders or tablets. As long as the label says goodies, you got a winner. And later on in today's broadcast, we'll announce the winner of the goodies race for the money sweepstakes, the winner of our Daytona 500 Dream Vacation. Going to be a nice day for racing out here at Riverside. It's cloudy and hazy. The skies were unusually clear here previously this weekend, but the temperature is going to be in the high 60s. The sun pokes through, may even hit 70 degrees. We'll be right back to Riverside International Raceway. This is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. Back in Riverside, California, they've had a mass of folks coming into the raceway all morning long, and they anticipate the largest crowd that they have had in many, many years for today's running of the Winston Western 500. The drivers, most of them have been introduced in pre-race activity trackside to cover the action for us this afternoon. Ned Jarrett and Dr. Jerry Punch will be patrolling pit road. Let's see if we can get a word with Tim Richmond. Jerry Punch should be in his vicinity. Well, Tim is standing by with us in the uh, area of his race car. He's talking to a car owner by, by Shirtway Radio. We'll get a comment, Tim. Uh, Qualifying. Everyone knows you set a new event qualifying and track record here, and we're just unbelievably fast. What most fans don't know is that you broke a rocker arm going into turn nine and finished that lap on seven cylinders and still set a blistering pace. Well, yeah, it would have been really interesting to find out had the uh, had we not had a, a rocker arm break like you say on the motor, uh, what kind of lap it actually would have been. Um, I, it was like an eternity from when it did break, and I knew it was broke from the time it started to come off turn nine to the start finish line seemed like about an hour and uh, i was really surprised that uh, we were that much ahead uh even with the seven cylinders like we had you got a nice uh, award and check from anheuser bush for that eighth pole of the year tying your teammate but uh, you won on the on the tiebreaker thirty thousand dollars not a bad day no it wasn't uh we we had a had a great time uh you know uh jeff and i uh came down right to the wire and and uh, we happened to get him this that time it could have went just as, as well the other way you know jeff could have beat me and but it worked out for us and it turned out real good and we're just proud to be part of this winston cup racing it's i'm, I'm having fun nowadays how about today's event 21 points between you and daryl and about eighty thousand dollars difference between second and third place in the winston cup point chase uh, you got to go for it all day long oh yeah you know we're gonna we're gonna do our best to stay out front and and try to keep Daryl from getting, you know, five points for leading a lap. Uh, he might stay out on a caution or something. Or he might pass me and go on and uh, beat me. Who knows? But we're going to try to do our best to move from third to second. But uh, we feel very, very successful uh, even if we finish third uh, for the 1986. Uh, thanks to the Folgers crew and, and Harry Hyde and Rick Hendrick. They've, they've done a, a tremendous job, and they've made me look good. But it's, it's due to them, and um, we'll be very very happy and uh, feel very successful uh, even with the third place finish. That's the pole sitter Tim Richmond up here with T.G. Shepard, Rick Hendrick, and Harry Hyde at the pole car, the Folgers Chevrolet. Be an interesting battle to watch there this afternoon. Now down on pit road, we've got two fellas who were racing stars of the 50s and 60s, and they're both still stars today. One on radio and television, and the other is still behind the wheel. Here's Ned Jarrett. Well, thank you very much, Mike Joy. And the fellow behind the wheel is Herschel McGriff, who has been around racing for a long, long time. But he's, he seems to, to get younger every year instead of older. And the Winston Cup Championship might be decided going into this race, but the Winston West Championship is not. Just 10 points separate Chad Little in second place and Herschel McGriff, who is leading going into this race. Herschel, any thoughts on the championship? Is it going to make a difference in how you drive today? Well, yes, it is. Uh, I really wish I could say it wasn't, but I think i got to play it a little conservative because the championship is important to me and important to the crew. And so, uh, but, you know, I'm not going to try to go real slow, be a little conservative, hoping I don't get lapped, and then 
uh, when things work out, I've got it tied down, and then I can hope I can go race for the rest of them. You're starting a little farther back than you normally do here at Riverside. You always qualify well here, but starting back in the 30th position here today, are things uh, looking better now from a speed standpoint? Well, things are looking much better, really. Uh, what happened, we had a problem uh, just before qualifying with our qualifying engine, so we pulled it out and put my race motor in. So we just kind of half-assed qualified, and, and I feel I'm running uh, real well. It, it, it felt good last night. Chassis feels good, so I think we'll be okay. I'm just going to, like I say, play it a little cool to start with, try to stay out of trouble, and, and I hope to come right out there right close to the front. Well, we'll follow that battle today. Good luck to you in the race and in the championship battle. Thank you, Ned. That'll be interesting. Herschel has listed himself as being 58 years old. Chad Little is 23, and there's a world of difference in experience there, but Herschel is concerned about the youngster. We'll be back at Riverside in a moment. Harry Gant is one of the drivers who has yet to visit Victory Lane in 1986. That's been a big surprise. Jerry Punch is with him. Well, he is, Marty, and Harry Gant would like to break that 32-race winless streak here at Riverside. And, Harry, in order to break that streak and possibly get on the winner's circle, you came here earlier in the week and went to school out here. Tell us about that. Well, I, I went to the Jim Russell driving school, but uh, as you know, it's a smaller 1,100-pound car open cockpit when I'm former forwards. Uh, and it was a great school, and I learned a lot uh, but to apply it back to this 3,700-pound 30, 30, car, it's very difficult. Uh, it takes a lot of technique in driving the small cars like that, the open-wheel single cockpit, compared to a Grand National car. And so Thursday all day, I was just trying to get adjusted back to this heavy car. And, uh, you know, Friday we didn't get any practice with blowing engines, so we just had to qualify in the dark there. Harry, the winner's circle, a win today would put you on the winner's circle, which is over $200,000, but also you're in a tight point battle. Four or five drivers back from 9th to 12th. You could finish anywhere from where you are 9th back to 12th or 13th spot. Yeah, we've got to, you know, got to, you know, if we win to get on the winner's circle, but, you know, starting this far back and not really running as fast as I'd like to be running here, it's going to be very hard. So our best chance we can get is hope we can have a good finish today. Well, that's Harry again. He'll be starting back in 23rd spot. Another fellow a little further back who is not an acknowledged road racer. Thought his season might end in Atlanta, but he's come out here to give this nine-turn course one more try, and he's with Ned Jarrett. And it's Buddy Baker, driver of the Crisco Osmobile, uh, Mike Joy. And you're right, he, he when the season started, had not planned to come to Riverside. Uh, Buddy, what changed the thinking? Well, we thought we'd give Crisco a little West Coast uh, plug in out here, and I'd like to say every, hello to everybody back in the Crisco office and uh, everybody back on Lake Norman. Uh, we're going to do our best today. I'm, I qualified pretty far back, but uh, the car seems to be working well. If I can stay on the racetrack, we've got a good shot. Is it a chore to stay on the racetrack? <laughs> well, i tell you what, it's not what I'm used to. And uh, In practice, I've been pretty smooth, but I haven't been very fast. Now, when I start going fast, I probably won't be very smooth. Of course, he's one of the drivers that has not won so far this year and would like to put this Crisco Osmobile into Victor Lane, and uh, he'll be trying. Baker is one of the first to admit that he doesn't get around this place. He says he enjoys driving it, but it's not a piece of cake for him, at least, and he's had a lot of problems coming out here over the years. Joe Ruttman, on the other hand, would like to pull out a victory here today as he closes out his year also with the Kenny Bernstein Quaker State Racing Team. Let's get a word from him. Well, he's buckling in this Quaker State car, Barney. And, you know, Joe, we were talking, you ran a race back here in 1963 and had a top ten finish. It's a long time ago. You've got a lot of experience on this course. Well, that's really true, but uh, what happened between 63 and approximately 1980 that, uh, you know, obviously I did no, no uh, major stock car racing whatsoever, but it's, uh, it's good to come back here because this is where I was born and raised and uh, in front of your hometown folks. 
Well, probably the closest finish ever here at this track was between you and Bobby Allison back in 81. So being from Upland, California, it would have to be extra special leaving this ride maybe to go out with a checkered flag in your hand. Well, there's no doubt that uh, this would be probably the greatest race of my career to win right here. So there's no doubt that, uh, you know, the guy, the guy behind the wheel is going to be giving it 110%. And I know uh, I have a tremendous amount of followers out, out in California pulling for me, and I really appreciate, appreciate that as well. Well, the Green and White Rutman Fan Club will be standing by to watch what their favorite son can do. We'll pause 10 seconds on Motor Racing Network for station identification. Let's go back down to the starting grid and Ned Jarrett. Well, where Joe Rutman has a lot of experience on this road course, Mike Joy, here's a driver, Mike Rick Wilson, driver of the Kodak Osmobile, who does not have a great deal of experience here. Rick, how do you see this thing? Well, you're kind of right. I don't have a lot of experience, but I'm gaining it on every time I go out, so... I get all these laps under my belt today. I hope when we come back, I'll have some more experience. Is this fun for you? Yeah, it's getting fun. When I first got here, it was pretty rough. You know, I didn't know where I was going. But, you know, the more I stay on it, the more practice I get on the track, the better it gets and the more fun it's getting. Okay, it takes a tremendous amount of concentration to drive a road course. You not only have to concentrate on where you are on the racetrack and how you're going to approach the next turn, when you're going to change gears, and when you're going to brake. There's so many things that you have to think about while you're running on a road course. It really is. It demands a total package not only from the car but from the driver. We'll talk more from Riverside, California in a minute. Wherever you drive, wherever you go, Hercules Tires has the value, selection, and industry-leading warranty to get you there no matter where the road takes you. You can count on Hercules Tires to have your back when times are tough, all while adding money to your pocket. The purchase of four qualifying Hercules Tires through May 31, 2020 could get you up to a $70 Visa prepaid card. Visit HerculesTire.com slash spring rebate to learn more. That's HerculesTire.com. Hercules Tires, ride on our strength. 42 cars are set to start the Winston Western 500 here this afternoon. Let's run you up through the starting lineup. Back in 42nd position, starting on a provisional starting spot, is John Krebs of Rockland, California, the Skull Man at Oldsmobile. 41st, Alan Kulwicki, the rookie driver, Concord, North Carolina, the Quincy Steakhouse Racing Ford. 40th is Ron Esau of Lakeside, California, the McDonald's Store Oldsmobile. 39th is Rick McRae of Bloomington, California, the Sunny King Ford. 38th, Ted Kennedy of Sebastopol, California, in the Stoke Racing Chevrolet. 37th is Chad Little of Spokane, Washington, in the Northland and Western Racing Thunderbird. Starting 36th is George Fulmer from Huntington Beach, California, in a Chevrolet. 35th, Jim Fitzgerald from Clemens, North Carolina, in a Chevrolet. 34th is Buddy Arrington of Martinsville, Virginia, the panel knitting Ford. 33rd, Glenn Stewart from Semi Valley, California, the stick only in Hooper's Racing Chevrolet. 32nd, Jimmy Means of Forest City, North Carolina, the Means Racing Pontiac. 31st is Bill Smith of Redding, California, and the California Cooler, Cooler Racing Chevy. 30th is Herschel McGriff. He's from Bridalvale, Oregon, the Worshow Thompson, Ash Lewis Pontiac. Moving up then to 29th, Buddy Baker out of Mooresville, North Carolina, the Crisco Oldsmobile. 28th, Ruben Garcia from San Dimas, the Suncrest Motorhome Chevrolet. Ken Schrader out of Fenton, Missouri. The Red Baron frozen pizza Ford goes 27th. 26th will be Benny Parsons out of Ellerby, North Carolina. The Copenhagen Fast Fair Oldsmobile. And starting 25th from Albuquerque, New Mexico, Al Unser Sr. He's in the Dingman Brothers car, the Valvoline Pontiac. 24th, Rick Wilson of Bartow, Florida. The Kodak Film Oldsmobile. And 23rd, Taylorsville, North Carolina's Harry Gant. The Skull Bandit Circle K Stores Chevrolet. 22nd, Mike Waltrip from Statesville, North Carolina, the Hawaiian Punch, Days Inns Pontiac. 
And 21st, Jim Robinson from North Hollywood in the Hammer Security Marv's Oldsmobile. Starting 20th in the field this afternoon is Terry Petrus of Bakersfield, California, and the Bud Chevrolet. Starting 19th, Dave Marcus, Skyland, North Carolina, the Helen Ray Racing Chevrolet. The 18th starter is Bobby Hillen, Jr. of Midland, Texas, the Miller American Buick. 17th is Jim Bowne of Salem, Oregon. He'll be in the Hannah Chevrolet. 16th, Kyle Petty, High Point, North Carolina, starts the Sitco 7-Eleven Thunderbird of the Wood Brothers. 15th, Derek Cope of Spanaway, Washington, and the Peterbilt Racing Ford. And 14th is Mark Martin of Blytheville, Arkansas, and the Gunderman All-Star Racing Thunderbird. 13th, Morgan Shepard, Conover, North Carolina, the Nationwide Pontiac. And 12th is Neil Bonnet. Hales from Bessemer, Alabama, and the Budweiser Kentucky Fried Chicken Valvoline Chevrolet. And the 11th starter is Rusty Wallace of Trinity, North Carolina, in the Alugard Racing Pontiac. Joe Rutman from nearby Upland, California, in the Quaker State Buick, goes 10th. Ninth on the grid, former winner here, Bobby Allison of Hueytown, Alabama, the Miller American Buick. Eighth, the Winston Cup champion for 1986, Dale Earnhardt of Mooresville, North Carolina, the Wrangler Goodwrench Performance Parts Chevrolet. Starting seventh, good qualifying run for the King, Richard Petty of Randall, North Carolina, the STP Pontiac. Sixth starter will be Terry Labonte out of uh, Corpus Christi, Texas. He's in the Piedmont Airlines A&W Trucking Oldsmobile. Fifth on the grid, Bill Elliott of Dawsonville, Georgia, the Coors Beer, Melling Ford Thunderbird. Fourth will be Jeff Bodine out of Chemung, New York, the Levi Garrett Exxon Chevrolet. Third, the inside of row two for Ricky Rudd, last year's winner of this race from Chesapeake, Virginia, in the Motorcraft Ford Thunderbird of Bud Moore. On the outside pole, breaking the track record, Darrell Walter of Franklin, Tennessee, the defending Winston Cup champion, the Budweiser Kentucky Fried Chicken Chevrolet of Junior Johnson, and on the pole, new track record, 118.247 miles per hour, covering the course in a minute, 19.7 seconds, Tim Richmond out of Ashland, Ohio, the Folgers Coffee Exxon Chevrolet. That's the 42-car starting lineup for the Winston Western 500. MRN, the Motor Racing Network presents the NASCAR Winston Cup Series. Today, the Winston Western 500 from Riverside International Raceway. Sponsored by Anheuser-Busch, Brewers of Bush Beer, Head for the Mountains of Bush, by Pontiac, America's road car company, Pontiac, we build excitement. By Wrangler Brand, a legend in jeans. By Piedmont Airlines, the official airline of NASCAR. By the STP Corporation, STP products help your car run right longer. By Timex Corporation, the official timekeeper for NASCAR. By Gatorade Thirst Quencher, Gatorade gives your body what it's thirsty for. By True Value Hardware Stores, the more you've got to do, the more you need True Value Hardware. By Kentucky Fried Chicken. Make a pit stop and grab a bucket of chicken before the races. By Stuart Warner, the symbol of excellence in automotive gauges. By antifreeze containing Alugard, the premium quality antifreeze formula. By Unical, the winning spirit rides with you every time. It's the spirit of 76. And by Ocean's 11 Resorts on beautiful Daytona Beach. We're back at Riverside, California. They're just about to complete the first of two pace laps before they cut them loose here this afternoon for the Winston Western 500. Beautiful field of cars. Very impressive. And as just about every driver has told us, particularly from the East Coast, this should be one of the best ones they've had here in a long, long time. This nine-turn road course is one of the most difficult racetracks that we go to. It takes a lot from the car. They shift anywhere from six to seven times around here. So you go through the gearbox so seven or 800 times. So there's quite a demand there. 
There's a series of S-turns just past the start-finish line that whip right and left that really put a premium on driving ability and staying on the course. And to cover the action there this afternoon, let's go up to Rick Benjamin. Barney, the sun has come out now. It's warmed up considerably in the last 20 minutes or so. Field of cars moving by on the first pace lap. The track here very narrow, and cars frequently will put a wheel or two up on the dirt, either one side or the other as they work through these S's, these kinks in the course. We'll be watching the action here today. 42 cars moving by us right now on the first of two pace laps. One of the most critical parts of this course is going up through turns five and six, and Eli Gold is there. And, Barney, it doesn't look that critical to those watching from the grandstands, but as you continue to turn and go uphill into turn number six, you can't see over that turn. It's a blind, cresting turn. You then make a right-hander through six and begin a downhill dipping straightaway towards turn number eight. Number eight, they technically call a reverse camber decreasing radius turn. But to you and me, that means that the track kind of drops out from beneath the race car, and you can find yourself off the course in a hurry here through six and eight. They come off eight, and look at that long back straightaway. Eli didn't miscount. Turn seven is not used by the stock cars on the road race course here. Turn eight is kind of a question mark. They make the right in eight, the left in 8A, and they head down the long back straightaway where one of the West Coast premier racing broadcasters is stationed, Bob Steinbrink. It is a mile-plus long down that straightaway. It is almost all downhill until they get to the spark plug bridge, and then they start working their way uphill, setting up for the dogleg left that takes them into that sweeping and very, very difficult turn nine. They come out from underneath that bridge. There is that short dogleg, and they head toward turn number nine. It's much like a super speedway turn. They'll flatter, and they turn it to the right instead of the left. It's just about 180 degrees, but many drivers say more time is lost or gained there on a good or a bad lap than probably any place else on this race course. 119 laps will be the distance. This is the 60th road race in NASCAR history. The first was run in Linden, New Jersey in June of 1954. Al Keller won it in a car owned by band leader Paul Whiteman, a Jaguar. The only time a foreign car has won a NASCAR race. But 42 of American cars are set to roll, and we're ready for the start. Pace car will go on to pit road as they come down to the start-finish line. Harold Kinder holds them back a moment, drops the green, and the Winston Western 500 is underway. And Richmond really got a good jump on the start. He has already pulled away from Waltrip by a couple of car lengths. Ricky Rudd's going to get shuffled back a spot as they make that hard turn up in the S's. Richmond is your leader. Waltrip second. Then Jeff Bodine has moved to third. Ricky Rudd sits fourth. Bill Elliott advancing to fifth. Then it's Labonte, Earnhardt, Petty, Joe Rutman, and Bobby Allison. Moving well up in the field is Derek Cope. He's up to 13th position. It's single file all the way back now with the exception of Dave Marcus who got out into the desert dirt just a bit. Now that uphill into turn number six. The right-hander in a single file all the way back. Now Tim Richmond still the leader. He's got a car length on Darrell Waltrip. Waltrip following him, then Bodine is third. Fourth is Ricky Rudd. Bill Elliott is fifth. Terry Labonte sixth. Everybody 42 strong, single file off eight. They are snaking their way off of turn eight, single file. Nobody trying any moves at this point. And now here's Bodine getting up alongside Darrell Walter, hurtling down that back straight under the bridge. They go still battling for second. Richmond will lead him off into turn number nine. Bodine takes second from Waltrip under the bridge. Rudd is fourth. Elliott fifth. Sixth Labonte. Seventh Earnhardt. Eighth Richard Petty. Ninth Rutman. And tenth Bobby Allison. The Hendrick cars run one, two into turn number nine. A long sweeping 180 degree right hander. And still their single file back through at least the top 20. 
No scrambling as they come back to the start-finish line to complete this first lap as they swing out back into the S's. Richmond has pulled away now by almost a half a second, but the car that is closing in a hurry is Jeff Bodine. He's up to the second spot. Waltrip's dropped back to third. They're back in the S's. They work their way through the right-hander first part of the kink. It is Richmond by five car lengths. Bodine closing up a little bit. Waltrip sits third. Then it's Rudd, Elliott, Labonte, and Earnhardt. Those cars then followed by Richard Petty as they work their way through the corner. He's in eighth. Ninth belongs to Joe Rutman, and tenth is Bobby Allison. Still single file. Rusty Wallace is 11th. Neil Bonnet goes 12th. Thirteenth is Morgan Shepard. Now back at the point. Bodine has a look to the inside of Richmond, entering turn number eight. But Richmond cuts to the inside of the number eight corner, shuts the door on Bodine, and it's single file again as the front two pull away by five, six, seven car lanes on third place Waltrip. Laning to the left as they get onto that mile-long plus back straightaway, and Richmond is able to hold off Jeff Bodine and the other Hendrick car. There are now 12 car lanes back to Darrell Waltrip, and right on his tail is Ricky Ross. Unscheduled pit stop for George Fulmer, the road race. He is in and out of the pits. We'll get a report there in just a moment. Meanwhile, Bodine has chased down Richmond, dives underneath him going into the number nine corner, and he may take the lead away. It is a door-to-door battle for the lead in the ninth turn here at Riverside, California, and Bodine comes out front. He's pulled away by a couple of car links, and he is strong. Works out of turn number nine, back to the line there, single file. Gutsy move, Barney. Richmond had no choice but to let him go. Bodine had the favored inside route to turn number nine. Ricky Rudd tried Waltrip for third spot in nine and didn't get it. Elliott's fifth. Lavati is sixth and Earnhardt seventh as they go into the S's. Richard Petty moving up to eighth position. Then it's Joe Rutman. Rutman kicks up a trail of dust followed by Bobby Allison, Rusty Wallace, Neil Bonnet, Morgan Shepard, and Kyle Petty your front 14 at this juncture as they work their way through the S's and up into turn number 6 behind Kyle Petty in 15th spot it's Mike Martin then Derek Cope goes 16th 17th is Bobby Hillen Jr 18th is Dave Marcus Harry Gant is 19th and Jim Bowne is 20th Jim Robinson is 21st and Al Unser 22nd everybody all the way from front to back single file they're chasing Bodine off 8 Bodine heading north to south down the long straightaway, and Richmond is staying with him, and Walter has closed up a little bit now, about eight Carlin separating second and third. It is still Richmond running the fourth, then Elliott and uh, Terry Lavani. Let's go to the pits. That's unscheduled pit stop by George Fulmer, Barney. Apparently had an ignition problem. They raised the hood, made uh, a switch over to the alternative system, and he did, as you said, got to his service and head back out in the action. He Here's- won't lose a lap. Mike as he comes back onto pit road, but he's going to lose one this time. The leaders, meanwhile, come off four, and they will lap George Fulmer at the stripe. Richmond is locked on to the back bumper of Jeff Bodine. He tries him in turn number one, but nothing there. Waltrip is third. Rudd is fourth. Fifth is Elliott. Sixth, Labonte. Seventh, Earnhardt. Eighth is Richard Petty. Ninth is Rutman. In tenth is Allison. Eleventh, Rusty Wallace. Twelfth is Neil Bonnet. Thirteenth, Morgan Shepard. Fourteenth, Kyle Petty. And fifteenth, Mark Martin. Here's Richard Petty, seven-time winner of the Daytona 500 for STP oil treatment. Let me tell you a little something about your oil. It's not what it's all cranked up to be. Fact is, some motor oil breakdown happens with every mile you drive. That's why you should use STP oil treatment. STP fights motor oil breakdown and helps restore your oil with extra lubricants and anti-wear agents. STP adds extra protection. Take my advice. Fight motor oil breakdown with STP oil treatment. Regular home maintenance can keep the cost of plumbing repairs down. So True Value Hardware Stores suggest you take care of minor plumbing projects yourself with their own master plumber parts and fittings. Hi, Pat Summerall to say even if you've never attempted home plumbing projects before, you'll find them simpler than you think, thanks to the directions on the back of every master plumber package. 
So choose from chrome or plastic drain tubing, replacement part kits, and more, exclusively from participating True Value hardware stores and home centers. No change in the running order of the top 15. Derek Cope is the 16th place car. Back in 17th is Bobby Hillen in the 18th position. That'll be Dave Marcus driving the Helen Ray special as the field comes out of turn number nine and completes the fourth lap. In 19th will be Harry Gant, and back at 20th, Jim Bound, 21st is Jim Robinson, 22nd, Al Unser, 23rd, Benny Parsons, 24th, Mike Waltrip, Rick Wilson rounds out the top 25. From Riverside International Raceway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. Back at Riverside, California, the leaders are just going by, no change in the running order other than... A moment ago, Joe Rutman did get around Richard Petty for about eight positions. We've had a couple of more cars on pit road for unscheduled stops. Let's go to Ned. Ruben Garcia came in. Barney had a flat, flat right front tire. George Fulmer came back in. They had changed the ignition system over. He came back in. They found out that the plug wires were crossed. They got them uncrossed, but he is a lap down now. And the car number 28 of Chad Little is having problems. He's the fellow in the battle for the Winston West Championship. They say that he has an oil leak. He is smoking coming off of turn eight, but not badly. Could be a costly day for him. He felt like he might be able to wrench that Winston West championship away here if he could have a good run today. But he's had some mechanical problems, a little smoke coming out of the car as he works into turn number nine. We'll keep our eye on him. The leader is setting a blistering pace here this afternoon. Jeff Bodine has already opened up a lot of daylight between himself and 10th position. It is almost seven seconds as Bobby Allison will be the 10th place car. Leaders are back in nine. And Richmond is still hanging tight right on the back bumper of Bodine. It's not team racing. It's not like the Thunderbirds who flew in precision formation here over the speedway yesterday, the Air Force team. But they are running virtually nose to tail all the way around this circuit. Back to third spot, it's a pretty good gap to Waltrip, and Waltrip is losing his advantage over Ricky Rudd. It's 1.96 seconds from first and second back to third. Richmond has a look on the outside at turn one, but that's not going to get him the lead. Won't work at all. Bodine chops off Richmond as they go into two, and Bodine stretches the lead now to about three car lengths. It's another dozen or so back to Waltrip in third, followed by Rudd, Bill Elliott, and Terry Labonte. The leaders climb the hill into turn six. They'll be closing in on the George Fulmer guy. Darrell Waltrip trying to close that gap. He's still a dozen car lanes down to the front two, Bodine and Richmond. Darrell has five car lanes on Ricky Rudd. They make the right-hander off six, down that little downhill straightaway to turn number eight. The right-hand sweeper leads him onto the back stretch. They chase Bodine. Coming up on slower traffic, Chad Little still smoking as he goes down the back straightaway. And here is Bodine leading Tim Richmond down that straightaway. The car gets a little bit light as it goes over a very slight rise. Halfway down that straightaway. Then it's Waltrip and uh, Ricky Rudd and Labonte. Field again is stringing out around this road course, as they always do in the early going here this afternoon. But two of the better handling cars that have become apparent very quickly will be Jeff Bodine and Tim Richmond. Still just a couple of car links between those two. It's a ways back, maybe a second or so, to Darrell Waltrip, the third-place car. Rudd having a good run here this afternoon, the defending champion for this race. Currently rides in fifth. But Bobby Allison, and from there back in 10th position, they're losing even more ground to the leaders. Asked Tim Richmond yesterday, you talked to drivers here, what's the key to getting around Riverside? A lot of them say you have to be really smooth. Richmond doesn't agree with that. I hear about the Nelson PKs and the Elaine Pros and all this, and how smooth they are and how fast they are. You know, just every lap the same. And I, you know, I guess I'm fast, one of the faster ones here uh, in practice. Uh, and I'm not that smooth. I mean, I can, I could be smooth if I had to. It, it, yeah, I'm, I'm just, it's so far out of control, you know, it's, and that's just the way I feel I have to drive it. Just to put the numbers on the watches, 
And uh, so I don't know if I'm a good road course driver or not because of the smoothness of some, some other drivers in this garage area and in Formula One. Richmond makes no secret if you stand and watch him, Mike, go through the S's up there. He, as they used to describe Buddy Baker sometime, looked like a gorilla trying to tear the steering wheel off. But he gets good lap times, and that's all that counts. Well, reckless abandon. That kind of characterizes his whole season. It's the way they run races, and it's the way he attacks this course. And he likes racing here. He really enjoys getting out and thrashing the car around. Chad Little's been back on pit road, Ned, for an extended stay this time. Yes, he has, Mike Joy, and they're about to bring him behind the wall. They, they were not able to find that oil leak out on the pit road, so they're going to bring him back behind the wall and look at it. But, boy, it's going to kill us, or at least certainly hurt his chances of winning this Winston West Championship. Well, it's reminiscent of one year ago when Bill Elliott came here to battle for the Winston Cup with Darrell Waltrip, and just 18 laps into the race, he found himself behind the pit wall. Ask Bill yesterday if he's still kind of smarting from what happened out here last year in the last race. Well, I you never feel bad about it, but still, you look back on it, and it was, that was a year ago, and this is this year, and we'll deal, deal with this race as it comes along. What's what happened? A preventable failure in that in the, you've taken some steps to see that doesn't happen again? Well, I think anytime you, you have something go wrong, you try to prevent it from next time, and you know we've, we've changed some parts and pieces, and hopefully nothing like that will happen again. Elliott's running well. He's up there hovering right around the top five. Mike, I'm uh, standing by with Chad Little. Chad, do you know what the problem is? Well, we were running really good, and I started seeing smoke, and I was making the right-handed turns, and I looked down, and there's oil all over by my feet, and it looks like it's coming out of the top of the transmission. Well, this has to be disappointing, especially in your battle for the championship here. Yeah, it is disappointing. Hopefully we'll get it fixed, and we'll be back out there shortly. Okay, he's staying inside the car. There is a lot of oil in the floorboard in there, and that's something he certainly doesn't want. He's a very personable driver and has a lot of talent. All the guys who run with him on the West Coast think he has a great future in this business. Leaders are back in turn number nine, just about the same interval between first and second. Bodine is the leader. Richmond a couple of car lengths back, still about a second back to Darrell Walker. And he is pulled away now from Ricky Rudd, the fourth-place car, by maybe a half a second. It's an even further grind back to the fifth-place machine now as they work down to the start-finish line, Bill Elliott. And he seems to be falling back a little bit. Earnhardt has not made his charge to the front, and that's been a surprise because he thought the way they had worked on that car in practice this week, that he could go right up there and challenge for the lead. But thus far, as he works up into the S's, he is not making any ground on the front twosome. He's working his way through the S's up to us here in six, and he is not making any ground up. Darrell Waltrip had been closing just a bit earlier on Tim Richmond, but has also backed off just a bit. So Bodine leads, Richmond second, Waltrip third, Rudd is fourth, Elliott fifth, Earnhardt sixth, Rutman is seventh, Labonte goes eighth, ninth belongs to Richard Petty, who gets on the dirt in turn number six, and tenth is Bobby Allison. The leaders are off turn eight. And heading down the mile long straightaway... <clears throat> Dave Marcus took a position away from Harry Gant two laps ago, so Marcus is moving up. He's got a lot of laps here. George Fulmer, the first uh, semi-casualty here, has more laps than anybody else. We've got a spin down in the S's. Alan Kowicki lost it coming off the second corner and went down in the dirt area. He is stalled, spinning his wheels, trying to get restarted. Kowicki did a 360 and ended up uh, fairly close to the wall. Now he's got it refired, and he'll be back on the course, it appears, in just a few seconds. We'll see a lot of that today. We'll stay under green. There'll be no caution flag. Ten laps complete as Jeff Bodine and Tim Richmond lead them around turn number nine and back to the start-finish stripe. Waltrip is third, and he's now about two seconds behind the front two cars. Fourth is Ricky Rudd. Fifth is Bill Elliott. Sixth is Earnhardt. Seventh, moving up to seventh now, is Joe Rutman. Richard Petty is back up to eighth. In the ninth spot is Bobby Allison, and now 10th, Rusty Wallace, just a car length ahead of Neil Bonnet. The driver who's lost seven positions on this lap is Terry Labonte, who has faded back to about 14th position. 
Three generations of competition drivers have come to rely on Stuart Warner instruments and gauges. So have three generations of private vehicle owners. Back when cars and trucks had only a few basic instruments, the name Stuart Warner was on the majority of them, and many of those original instruments and antique and classic cars still work perfectly. Today, Stuart Warner's technically advanced instrumentation is being put to the test on the track and drag strip by the official Stuart Warner track force, Don Garlitz, Johnny Rutherford, and Bill Elliott. Other drivers competing in NASCAR, NHRA, CART, IROC, and ARCA, and numerous other events rely on Stuart Warner instrumentation as well. Imagine the heat, vibration, shocks, and other stresses on the tacks and gauges in a 200-mile-per-hour stock car, a dragster accelerating to over 270 miles an hour, and an Indy car roaring along for 500 grueling miles. Instruments that meet those challenges are instruments for you, no matter what you drive. Stuart Warner, their track record speaks for itself. Terry Labonte has gone from 7th to 14th within the last two laps. Jerry punches in their pits. While I'm standing by, Steve Beal, the crew chief, is timing Terry as he comes by. They're as mystified as we are. Terry has not complained of a problem on the car. And they say they don't know if anything is wrong with the car. They just hope that he can maybe gain it back in. Maybe he had a little problem over on the back of the road course, but nothing mechanically wrong with the Piedmont Oldsmobile. He's got a lot of work cut out for him unless they get the problem cured because when you lose ground at Riverside, it's awfully hard to make up. From the Riverside International Raceway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. Here's Ruben Garcia back on pit road, and Kyle Petty slowed a moment ago up toward Eli Gold. Barney, he was climbing the hill up here into turn number six. All of a sudden, the car just seemed to stop in its tracks, and everybody went by. Kyle has continued around, but at a greatly reduced speed. Good battle for night spot headed to Rick Benjamin. Richard Petty coming out of the dust cloud. Allison trying to move inside of Petty as they came out of turn two. Couldn't do it. Neil Bonnet has closed right up on the back bumper of the Allison Miller American Buick. But Petty still holding on to eighth as they move toward Eli. It's Petty, then Allison, and Neil Bonnet. They've got six car lanes on Rusty Wallace and the Allugard Pontiac. Uphill into turn six. The right side tires go over the ripple strip. Kicking up a little dust from the South California desert here. Then on to turn number eight. Still Richard Petty holding off the Bobby Allison Neil Bonnet challenge. They make the right-hander through eight and straighten it out for the backstretch as Bonnet now makes a move towards Allison. And Rusty Wallace is really moving very hard into that fray. He got her on Morgan Shepard coming down the back straightaway. And he's now closing in on the Bonnet car. Bonnet right behind Bobby Allison. Petty with about six car lengths on Allison. While all that goes on, the two front cars continue to pull away from just about everyone. Alan Kulwicki got his car out of the dirt a moment ago, and he is still running, so he won't have any major problems at this juncture of the race, and let's hope he doesn't all day. Barney, the story on the Kyle Petty car, we're in the 7-Eleven pits, and Eddie Wood standing with, with the headset on. And Eddie, what's the problem? Kyle slowed in the back straight. Yeah, he called a minute ago and said it was hung in third gear, so we just got to ride till we get him you know, come in and work on it. Well, transmission problems for Kyle Petty. Dave Marcus continues to move up. He was last posted 17th, and he's gone around Bobby Hill and takes Benny Parsons with him as he comes out at turn number nine. He's a pretty fair road racer. He does a lot of testing for the IROC cars along with George Fulmer. Gets around this racetrack pretty well. It's surprising how many of our guys that have come out here over the years that have really adapted to road racing, and they don't talk about it a lot, but they enjoy running on road courses. I think a lot of them are very thrilled to go up to Watkins Glen that we run a couple of the courses now, and apparently the schedule calls for us to do the same thing next year, so we'll see a lot of road racing in 1987. Barney, they're getting the Chad Little car back out on the racetrack now. They replaced the valve cover on the right side. It had a crinkle, the valve cover gasket, I should say. It had a crinkle in it, which was uh, allowing oil to get out on the exhaust headers and creating smoke. 
Remember now, he is locked up in that battle with Herschel McGriff for the Winston West Championship, so he certainly needs to get back into the thick of things, and at this moment, he has. We're talking about things breaking at Riverside, California. How many times you go through the gearbox? Battle going on for the lead in turn number nine as Tim Richmond tried to get underneath Jeff Bodine, put the car out in the dirt for a moment, and he's going to lose a couple of car lengths as they come out of turn number nine, but Richmond isn't about to give up. He goes after him again. Barney, you think it was the last lap. Richmond smokes the tires off nine, cuts under Bodine at the start-finish line, almost scrapes the wall. Here's Richmond right alongside Bodine coming through turn number one. Passing on the outside, and they go into the S's. Richmond ahead. Richmond taking the advantage. Mike, as they came down the hill, he had the rail for the second turn, and he has got it. He's pulling away just a hair from Bodine now. Long way back to Earnhardt in third. Ricky Rudd's closing up, though. There may be a battle for third developing. Your leader continues to be Richmond. There's also a good bit of traffic ahead of the leaders. You'll probably catch it somewhere near turn number nine. They're in number six right now. Richmond with a car length of an advantage on Jeff Bodine. But ahead of them, they have John Krebs' automobile. They have Alan Kowicki there. Likewise, Jim Fitzgerald. The leaders now close in on traffic as they swing off turn number eight. It's still Richmond by a car length and a half on Bodine. Richmond does a little fishtail as he comes off of turn eight. There have been a lot of cars getting into the dust out there, and that may be the cause. But he is now coming down the straightaway and pulling out a five-car length lead over Bodine as Waltrip is being pressured by Ricky Rudd. Whatever Kyle Petty's problem was, apparently they've cured it because he is running very strong. He just passed here, locked up in a pretty good run with Al Unser Sr. as they went up through the S's, so Kyle is running full bore in the 7-11 Ford. Leaders are back in turn number nine. The interval now between Richmond and Bodine will be just about the same as it was when it was reversed a moment ago. A couple of car lengths, and that's the way it's been all afternoon as they work back to the start-finish line. Waltrip, for the moment, may just be playing a waiting game. He's one of the best in the world at that. He's got him in sight, about five seconds back and right behind him. As they work up into the S's again, I would say they are definitely just playing a waiting game. Well, both Waltrip and Rudd have run a lot of races here. Ricky has won here. He's the defending champion of this race. And it's a long day out here on the road course. Takes a lot out of the car. Takes a bit out of the driver, too. And if they can stay inside of the leaders, they'll be in good shape for a run later on this afternoon. 15 of the 119 laps completed in the Winston Western 500. Peter Tim Richmond across the start-finish line. Puts another lap on the board. Bodine continues to hang tough with him there. Just a couple of car lengths back. Two or three cars in the field that are beginning to work their way up on the leaders now. Earnhardt has picked up the pace a bit. Also, Neil Bonnet seems to be running a little bit better than he was a moment ago, although at this time around, he's going to lose some more ground to the leaders as they're up in the S's. Leaders working their way through turn number five, the last of the S's, and still uphill into turn number six. The front two now have 2.3 seconds on the Darrell Waltrip-Ricky Rudd battle. Those two cars in turn have three seconds on the Bill Elliott-Dale Earnhardt battle, and as Barney said, Earnhardt now beginning to rumble just a bit on Elliott. Those two cars, those separate just a mite as they work around race traffic. The leaders, though, are on the backstretch. Bodine is really dogging Richmond as they come off of turn eight. But Richmond is able to stretch it out a little bit. Apparently more power coming down that hill as it's now back to five piling. He widens it every time. Coming off of eight, it tightens up. And Neil Bonnet has moved up two positions in the past several laps. Bonnet very much on the charge trying to close in. From first and second back to that third, fourth battle is now opened up to 3.3 seconds. As up in turn nine, Bodine tries it underneath Richmond. Nothing there. Waltrip puts a little dirt on Ricky's windshield and a spin in nine. Looks like Alan Kulwicki, one of the lap cars, spins his Quincy Steakhouse Ford, just catches the wall in nine with the left rear corner of the machine, but without even stopping, he's on the roll again and headed apparently toward pit road. So a quick spin, a pop off the wall, and Kulwicki gets away. 
He'll come to the pit lane. We'll stay under green. Did a pretty good piece of driving there, too, to get that car woed down to lessen the impact in going into the wall. He is on pit road. Let's go to Ned. Well, certainly this would be an earlier stop than he had hoped for, Barney, but with two spins already uh, behind him, one up in the S's and one here on turn nine. He has no alternative but to come in, and maybe he had a tire going down. We'll be there in just a moment. And a change of position for third spot as Darrell Waltrip was coming up through the S's into six. He took an off-track excursion, which allowed Ricky Rudd to get on by, and that position switches around. So Rudd is now in third, but Waltrip in turn number eight is right back on Ricky's rear deck, and as they head onto the back straightaway, Waltrip will challenge again. And we will see if Walter can get around him after that bobble going into turn six. And it doesn't look like he's going to be able to do it. This long back straightaway is about the only place where you can really draft if you can get close enough. But Walter can't get close enough this time. Mike, I think the younger drivers that we've seen come here in recent years, like Ricky Rudd and some of that category, like road racing a little bit more than some of the guys who've been on oval fracks for a lot of years. Although Bobby Allison is one of the best in the business, and so was David Pearson. But... The young guys like Ricky and Tim Richmond seem to adapt to road racing a little quicker. Well, part of it, Barney, I think uh, there may be some truth to the idea that there are not as many bad habits to unlearn, although certainly the older Winston Cup drivers have been coming here for many years, but without cars that handle as well as today's cars do. Also, an increased emphasis on road races, not only in the NASCAR circuit, but the other racing series, the Indy cars, uh, the Trans Am and the IMSA cars as well. I think a lot of drivers, regardless of what series they run in now, are placing an added importance on the benefits and the values of going road racing. But the big difference, and Ned, from when you drove cars on, on a road race course to these cars today, I guess these cars must demand an awful lot more of a precise style that kind of suits the way you get around a road course rather than just horsing the car around. Well, the racing in general has become so specialized, Mike, you just about have to have a special car built for road racing, and most of the top teams who have a chance at winning do have that. We would just take a short track car back in those days and convert it whatever we needed to do and uh, make a race route of it. Such is the case with Alan Kowicki here today. He's running a car that he's run most of the year. He's back in the pits right now in the Quincy Steakhouse Ford. He did not have a flat a moment ago, or at least I didn't think so. He's back in now getting left side tire, so apparently he had a tire going down. They didn't detect it when he was in a moment ago, so that's going to cost Allen some extra time. He may lose a lap as the leaders are just coming out of turn number nine. Good battle going on there. Bodine will try to get underneath Richmond out of the number nine corner, and Richmond sees him coming, just pinched him right out into the dirt and made him get out of the throttle for a moment. They're inches apart as they work back to the start finish line. Now Richmond pulls away by a couple of car lengths, a little better than five seconds back to Ricky Rudd, who rides third. Fourth is Darrell Walker. He's a second back of Rudd. In fifth position still is Bill Elliott. Riding along in sixth is Dale Earnhardt. Seventh is Joe Rutman, as Rutman also has a long ways to go to catch up to the front twosome. Ned, when will we see some pit stops? Very shortly, I'm sure. Not Somewhere too far away. around the 30-lap mark, Barney. Some of them might stretch a little bit further than that. But as we've said before in previous broadcasts here at Riverside, this is one racetrack you don't want to run out of gas on because you don't have the, the coasting ability that you would have on some of the oval tracks around the country. So they won't cut it too close on this first stop. A lot of racing left in the Winston Western 500. Sunbird GT is ready for you, and it's taking driving fun into a whole new dimension. It's aggressive, distinctive, and the excitement is pure Pontiac. With a 1.8-liter turbocharged four-cylinder engine with multi-port fuel injection, a four-speed gearbox, new partially hidden headlamps, and if you want a little more headroom, order your GT as a convertible where the sky's the limit. Pontiac Sunbird for 1986. One drive, and you'll know what we're all about. We build excitement. Pontiac. Here's Winston Cup champion, Darrell Waltrip. Junior, how about fixing a place for Kentucky Nuggets in my race car? Kentucky Nuggets? Sure. They're bite-sized pieces of Kentucky fried chicken, 
same great taste, and you can eat them just about any time, anywhere. Ain't you too busy at 200 mile an hour to be eating chicken? Well, how about handing me a box over the wall on a pit stop? Kentucky Fried Chicken, we do it right. Kentucky Fried Chicken, we do chicken right. Derek Cope goes to the garage area. Joe Rutman, we mentioned on the move a moment ago. He's pulled right up on the back bumper of Dale Earnhardt, the sixth place car, and will be looking to get by. From Riverside International Raceway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. There's no change in the running order among the front ten as they work their way around at lap number 22, 119. Make up the Winston Trouble in turn number nine as Richard Petty goes sideways and just lightly brushed the wall of the STP Pontiac. Bobby Allison was very close to that also, along with Rusty Wallace. Petty will keep the car under power and bring it on around, but I won't be surprised if he takes it onto pit road. But Richard really had to lock it up to stay out of that concrete wall, and he's trying to get onto pit road as he almost collided with Dave Marcus, and apparently Bobby Allison got a piece of that. He is up toward Jerry Punch. Bobby Allison's Miller Buick comes to a halt, and the crew will try to get some sheet metal pulled away from that left rear. Richard Petty's STP Pontiac pitched just behind Allison on pit road, and they will get service on those cars. The Allison crew, Pat Broyles, will not change a tire. They just pull sheet metal away, and Allison's car now swapping gears, headed down pit road. Meanwhile, Petty's Pontiac, not so lucky. Damage on the right front and the left rear and the right rear on the Pontiac for the STP colors, and Petty's crew will get left side tires and now right side tires on that pit stop. Those two cars are battling hard for position going into turn nine. Rusty Wallace was part of that battle as well. The pit board sign is coming out for Jeff Bodine, the second-place car, as he and Tim Richmond round out of turn number nine. Let's check in with Ned in the garage. John Krebs in the Skull Bandit Oldsmobile is out of it. John, what's your problem? Well, it looks like we got the oil a little hot, and it felt like it started to tighten up, so it was just better to bring it in than, than scatter it out there for the rest of the guys to go through. They're working on the car. Do you plan to go back out if they get it fixed? No, we were just verifying what we thought was wrong with it, and uh, it does have a little material in the Oberg, so we're going to sit out and watch the rest of the race. Hey, that's too bad. John is the son of Art Krebs, one of the NASCAR officials on the Western Cup circuit. Second place is on pit road. Let's go to Jerry Punch. Scheduled stop for the Levi Garrett Chevrolets. He's down off the Jackson 16 and 1 pit seconds. Two left side tires for Jeff Woodine as he makes his pit stop. Jim Robinson likewise getting two left side tires. He is down and away. And remember here that most of the turns of this racetrack are to the right. So in an oval track, they'd usually take on right side tires the first stop. Here, they get those left side tires. Those are the ones that take the most abuse. We'll see just about all the front runners on pit road at least in the next five laps, I'm sure, in the Winston Western 500. Tim Richmond is the leader. Of course, that second spot will now go up to Darrell Walter. Well, I won't say Walter because Ricky Rudd has moved into the number two position. Let's go back to Ned Jarrett. Well, you mentioned that Derek Cope had pulled his car into the garage area. We're with him, Derek. What happened? Well, we got up, we were running pretty well up there, and then uh, I went into turn six, and the car got completely sideways, and evidently it pushed the water out onto the rear tires, and I thought it had a flat tire for a little bit, but it kept pushing water out. So we come around, changed tires, went back out, and the water uh, temp gauge is just going out of sight, gone down to zero, so I figured we pushed all the water out of it and hurt the motor. Sorry to see you out of it, Darren. Uh, me too. Thanks. Richmond's advantage, six seconds over Ricky Rudd, the new second-place car. Waltrip is third. Elliott is fourth, and Joe Rutman has moved around Earnhardt to run fifth. That'll put Dale back in the sixth spot. Neil Bonnet will be the seventh-place car. Rusty Wallace is eighth. After his stop, Jeff Bodine is ninth. 
10th, apparently Morgan Shepard, and 11th is Benny Parsons. Richard Petty is back on the racetrack and running right up to race speed along with Bobby Allison after apparently the two got together a moment ago right in the middle of turn number nine, and perhaps we can get a report maybe from Dale Inman if he has talked to Richard as to exactly what happened over there a little bit later. Marty, we have Dale Inman now in the pits, and Dale, did Richard say what happened over there? Well, the car's been getting loose with him, and uh, he finally lost it going in over there, but the, right, the left rear tire was wore slap out, so... We put a little bit of wedge in him, I hope. And, of course, we tore the front end up a little bit, too. So, uh, just hope we can get a pretty good finish out of it. That's the end with the crew chief for Richard Petty. Shame to see them tore up as well as they qualified here today. But, obviously, the race setup not quite right for the start of the event. As most of you know, Bobby Allison, an avid pilot. He enjoys flying almost as much as racing, maybe even more so. It was kind of hard for Bobby to pay attention to the race here yesterday with the Thunderbirds putting on an aerial exhibition above. Well, I'd rather be up there with them today on Saturday and then out here on Sunday. Yeah. How are you going here, Bobby? The car's running pretty good. Um, I'm pleased with it. It's uh, a brand-new car. We had hoped that we would close the gap even more than we have, but we've uh, certainly run a lot better this time than we did in the summer. So I think that we have improved an awful lot, and I'm just looking forward to the race. Allison running well as the race leader makes his first pit stop. Tim Richmond brings the Folgers Chevrolet to a halt a very far into pit road up toward turn one. And they have right side tires on Richmond's car, and everyone else you heard us say getting left side tires or outside tires here at Riverside. Not the case for the Folgers car. Off to Jackson, now the car stalls. He refires 17 and 1 tenth second. They didn't make any adjustments on his car at all. The way it's been getting around here, you can see why they did not, along with Jeff Bodine. But a lot of the cars are having trouble staying on the course today, as our turn reporters have reported about half the field. Eli Gold up in your vicinity, we've seen a lot of dust clouds from time to time. Matter of fact, at times it seems so the t- racetrack is dirt and totally unpaved. I don't know why it is, but there seem to be more off-track excursions today than normal. And what it does here, particularly in number six, being a blind turn, the rear end of the car tends to kick way out. And as you straighten up for that little downhill straightaway between six and eight, you really have to work hard to keep the car pointed in the right direction. Buddy Baker is on pit road. Kenny Strader will make a pit stop at this time. Let's go to Ned. Schedule pit stop for Buddy Baker and a good pit stop, Barney. They changed left side tires on the Crisco Exmobile, building up the Unical gasoline and sent him on his way in about 15 seconds. Glenn Sturrer is in as well, and Mark Martin, the Arkansas driver who also qualified well here, he was on the outside pole at Atlanta two weeks ago, is making his second appearance in the pit lane. Tim Richmond got back on track in about 10th spot, so he didn't lose all that much after making his pit stop. 20 20- some trouble down off turn two. Mike, Ted Kennedy, one of the West Coast drivers, spun off two, went, uh, oh, a good couple of hundred yards, did several complete spins. He's very close to the track on the first kink right now and seems to be stalled there. He's going to try to get the car refired. Hasn't had any success yet. We'll see if he gets restarted. At 26 laps, here's Dale Earnhardt on pit road. Earnhardt brings the Wrangler Chevrolet to a halt as Jim Fitzgerald pitting just in front of him, and Kirk Chelmerdine and the crew will go to work, and they will change left side tire. Just behind Earnhardt is Rusty Wallace, the Alugard car, as Barry Dawson and that crew likewise will make a left side tire change. Routine, two tires for Earnhardt off the jack. They will come around, and now they will change right side tires. So Earnhardt, the first among the leaders to get four tires under green. And, of course, they could do that on a road course and still not lose a lap. Further down pit road, Harry Gant is in, and the Skull Bandit Chevrolet, he's getting left side tires. And they, too, are going to change all four tires on Harry's car. 
So a four-tire change for Harry Gant, and they are looking for something because Harry has really had his work cut out for him here today. Just can't seem to find a groove around here that he can live with. Looks like caution is coming out of the speedway. It will be the first one this afternoon. It'll be for the Ted Kennedy car down off turn number two, as Rick Benjamin described. We've got trouble again, Mike. It's Rick Wilson and Dale Earnhardt tangling coming down the hill. Wilson with severe sheet metal damage. He stops about 100 yards shy of the Ted Kennedy car. Earnhardt continuing around. Heavy left side sheet metal damage to the Earnhardt automobile. Wilson's car is running, but the front end is very heavily damaged. He's got to bring it back up on the track if he can get enough bite here on the uh, dirt that's right off the race course. Yellow being waved in this corner. Everybody's slowing down. Here comes the wrecker out toward Rick Wilson and Ted Kennedy. So a caution is out for the first time today. Ricky Rudd is on pit road. So is Bill Elliott and Joe Rutman. Jeff Bodine is back in. Neil Bonnet and Darrell Waltrip are in the pit lane as well. First caution of the day comes out at lap 28 at Riverside. When you're heading for the mountains, the smoothest route is through the prairie. The Pure Prairie League. It's that time of day when you can say, come on and head for the mountains. The best, and it's coming your way. Head for Bush Peak. Anheuser Bush, St. Louis, Missouri. Head when folks compliment us in our new machine, we say, which one? The new Piedmont Airlines Oldsmobile Delta 88 or the new Boeing 737-300s we're adding to our fleet? They're both state-of-the-art machines and awesome performers. The Oldsmobile we race is a proven winner on Sundays. And the 737-300s we fly are proven winners seven days a week, 365 days a year. And they both get where they're going in a hurry. Piedmont, the official airline of NASCAR. The caution flag came out for Ted Kennedy's car, which had spun going into the S's and came to rest near the racetrack, and then lots of things started happening in front of Rick Benjamin. The rear end of Kennedy's car is just about on the white paint that indicates the left edge of the track. He is dead stalled in the water. Benny Parsons, before the big accident involving uh, Wilson and Earnhardt, or the, the relatively uh, more severe accident, Benny Parsons came very close to ramming Kennedy right in the rear. Parsons made a smooth move at the last second to nip by Kennedy on the dirt on the left side. Cars are very hard to steer, of course, when they get off the track. Wilson and Earnhardt got together coming down the hill toward two. Wilson took much the worst of it. He has given up now. He is off the track and stopped waiting for the hook. The front, uh, right front corner of the car heavily damaged. Earnhardt some sheet metal damage. He continues on around the course. It's been very rough down here in the S's in the early going. Seeing more pit stops now. Just about all the cars that had not been in are certainly taking advantage of this caution flag. Quickly for an update again, let's go back to Ned. Well, both Budweiser cars were in a moment ago, as Mike Joy pointed out. Both of them took on four tires and a tank of Unical gasoline. Right now, Morgan Shepard is in and the Nationwide Pontiac. He's getting four tires, too. Al Lutz are just coming in. All of those cars or drivers were scheduled for pit stops in the next lap or two, so this caution was a blessing for them. However, we should point out that those who had made pit stops under green uh, should still be in the lead lap. You mentioned that Tim Richmond, Jeff Bodine had come out 10th and 11th place or something like that. So as a result of them stopping under the green, didn't hurt them that much. Dale Earnhardt has the Wrangler car on pit road, and there is a lot of sheet metal damage to the left side of Dale's car. They just check him over and will send him back onto the racetrack. Let's go to Jerry Punch. Barney, mostly sheet metal damage, as you say, that Kurt Shelburne and Richard Children are standing here talking to Dale. We're trying to get a comment from Richard. Richard, how much damage is there on the car? It's pretty severe on the left front chassis over there. Can he drive the car? Is it bothering the handling at all? Yeah, he says he can't steer it, so we're going to bring him back in here and look at it. Okay, that's the car on a Richard Childress. Well, fortunately, Earnhardt wrapped up his Winston Cup championship at Atlanta two weeks ago, so he's out here to win the race. 
having already wrapped up the title. Today's Winston Western 500 is MRN's last race broadcast for 1986, but Ned Jarrett and I will be at the Waldorf Astoria in New York for the NASCAR Awards Banquet. We'll be up on the balcony overlooking Barney Hall and all the proceedings at center stage and bring you all the excitement and the road to the Winston Cup. Uh, detailing Dale Earnhardt's run to the title in 1986. That all happens on Friday night, December 5th, here on the Motor Racing Network at 8.30 p.m. We'll be in New York, so hope you'll tune in with us then. Also, you can follow racing all year long on MRN's talk show, NASCAR Live, that airs every Tuesday night at 7. Junior Johnson will be Eli's guest this Tuesday. You can call in your questions toll-free. And two weeks, or a week from Tuesday, November 25th, Kenny Bernstein, the drag race champion and owner of the Quaker State Buick NASCAR machine, will be on NASCAR Live. From Riverside International Raceway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. Back at Riverside, we're working the first caution of the day. They may get the restart this time around. The cars are now in turn number eight, Mike. And the lights are out atop the safety car. And here on the road course, they normally do get a restart after the caution coming off turn eight onto that long back straightaway. The safety car now makes its way to the inside of the track. A hand sticks out the side and waves the green flag. And Darrell Waltrip leads him back to racing. And they come down that straightaway past the safety car. And it is Waltrip out in front. There is another car ahead of him, but that car is... A lap down in second place, it is Rudd, then Bill Elliott, and then the Joe Rutman, and right behind Rutman is Neil Bonnet. Good dice back into turn number nine as Waltrip is out front for the first time today, and let's see what he can do. Ricky Rudd hangs with him as they get into the corner. Still Bill Elliott's right there. They're locked up among the front three, but a half a second back to Neil Bonnet. He gets free of traffic going into the corner and will try to chase him down along with Jeff Bodine and Joe Rutman. Good race for the lead. Here they come out of turn number nine and back to the start-finish line. Waltrip brings it right out to the inside wall. Ricky Rudd again hangs tough with him as he chases him back into the S's. And coming up strong is Bill Elliott and Neil Bonnet. They're back in turn two. Elliott gets by the lap car of George Palmer on the inside. It is Waltrip. Ricky Rudd, Elliott having trouble with Palmer. And here's Bonnet right up alongside Elliott. Neil Bonnet making a move for third spot. He may get it as they move up. And it is Bonnet taking third spot away from Bill Elliott. So Neil squeezes there. Bodine gets off the track just ahead of Fulmer and the Joe Rutman cars. Everybody gets on the binders for a second, but back in line they go through turn six. Waltrip and Rudd. They've got a second now on third place Neil Bonnet. Fourth place Bill We've got Elliott. a car in the wall. We have all sorts of cars. Turn six. Couple of cars off the track, one against the wall. There are four now involved all told. Bill Schmidt, Harry Gant, likewise Rick McKay, and Morgan Shepard. First, what was a one-and-two car incident becomes a four-car affair, while Bill Schmidt and Rick McRae, the two California drivers, pulled away. Harry Gant and Morgan Shepard are still in a big dust storm here in six. We are still under green, the NASCAR officials indicate, and now caution is coming onto the speedway. It will be the second one this afternoon as the leaders will race back to the start-finish line. Ricky Rudd may try to take the lead away from Walter as they work out of turn number nine and back to the line. They can race back to the flag. Rudd will take a shot at him, but he won't be able to do anything with him. And Waltrip will be still be the leader. Rudd will drop back to second. Still in third is Neil Bonnet. Fourth right now is Bill Elliott. And fifth is Jeff Bodine. From the Riverside International Raceway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. Out at lap number 32. For a recap, let's go up to Rick Benjamin in the S's. Cars got together, Mike, as they came down toward turn number five and went up toward six. Morgan Shepard, Harry Gantt went off the course, tangled, slid toward the wall, and Eli Gold was right there. 
And at that point, Rick McRae joined the fray, as did, Bill, as did Bill Schmidt, the California driver. Three of the four have pulled away. Only Morgan Shepard's nationwide Pontiac remains here on the scene. The safety folks are on the scene talking to him, but everybody else has pulled away. Harry Gant goes by, dragging a rear bumper that's just barely hanging on the car. He'll make another lap around to catch up to the caution car before he puts an appearance on pit road. So Gant definitely has suffered some pretty heavy damage here. It's going to affect the performance of his car. And a lot of these fellas finding their way off the course today here at Riverside. I think more so than we've seen in, in the last couple of times we've been here in the first 30 laps or so. Second caution of the day gives us time to update you on a major NASCAR announcement that took place this Wednesday up in Boston, Massachusetts. Jim Hunter, NASCAR's Vice President of Administration, announced the formation of the Bush Grand National North Series to be run not just at tracks in the northeastern United States, but in combination with some of the Bush Grand National races in the south. A total of 25 races. Eleven of those races are going to be run in combination with the Bush Grand National Division. And points will be awarded concurrent with the Bush Grand National cars running for their own separate championship in the joint races. When they run a combination race such as the Goodies 300 at Daytona or the Bush Grand National event at Charlotte, there will be two sets of points given in those races. The regular Bush Grand National competitors such as Larry Pearson and Brett Bodine and Kenny Bouchard and hopefully Reggie Ruggiero uh, they will be running for Bush Grand National points. The guys who are Bush Grand National North members and are running for the Bush Grand National North Championship will be running in those events for Bush Grand National North points. But this won't be a series that goes to the driver who puts the most miles on his tow rig. The guy who wins the championship will not necessarily be the guy who runs the most events. Because what we're going to do is when we finalize the schedule, if there are 15 events on the schedule in the Northeast of Bush Grand National North races, then that number is going to be the number of races that we count towards the point championship. The combination races run with the Bush Grand National Tour will be bonus events where drivers can improve on their best finishes. Several of the Northeast drivers were on hand for the press conference. Chuck Bowne, who's a native of Portland, Oregon, and his father-in-law, Herschel McGriff, running in this race here today, has been running in the Northeast for several seasons. And he says this series will give a lot of opportunity for drivers from the Northeast to be noticed by Winston Cup teams and car owners. I think so, yeah. We're going to get to show ourselves on Saturday and a, a few times each season, you know, when the Winston Cup teams are around. But also, uh, you know, the, the, the press from, from Daytona will pick up on this. It'll filter into all NASCAR's mailings and so forth, and, and that'll help. You know, they'll they'll read about Chuck Bound down south a little bit more than, than they had in the past, even though we'd had a lot of success up here over the past couple of years. Uh, still, you know, not that many people knew about it, but we managed to keep our sponsor, Skull Bandas, happy anyway up here, so I guess we're doing something right. But Reggie Ruggiero, one of the premier drivers on the Winston Modified Tour, says the new series will give him a chance to do some more racing. Yes, the Modified schedule has been cut down. We're not going to be racing like three nights a week. Every week you'll be racing one with the Tour, and if you wanted to run like Riverside Park on Saturday night for NASCAR, you can run Modifieds. Uh, Myself as a professional race car driver, you know, I wanted to get around. I wanted to go down south and race Grand National, and this is like a stepping stone for me. 
if I could come up with a big sponsor to run down south, I will. But if I have to participate in a few races up here and a few down south, you know, up NASCAR North is the way to go. That's one of the attractions of the series, says former NASCAR North champion Randy LaJoy. He'll get to go to Daytona and the Southern Tracks and run the major super speedway races, but as part of his own Northeast Series. Oh, I, I do believe so. It's going to be a big plus because, I mean, you can concentrate on just one thing. I mean, before you had to have a northern car and then you had to have a southern car. And so now it's going to be relatively you build two new cars and they're both going to be the same. So you can run up north with them, you can run down south with them. And you can run down here those 11 combination races and get good exposure, and you could probably run real good, and I'm really looking forward to it. Bush Beer will post the bulk of the $100,000 point fund, and Bush assistant brand manager Bill Guthner noted that those race fans up at north are every bit as avid as the ones in the southeast. Uh, there are strong race fans everywhere, and sometimes we tend to think of the southeast as being the, the stronghold for good racing, but there are, uh, there's some extremely good racing up here, and um, I think we'll see plenty of that next year with this series. So the Bush Grand National North Series will debut as part of the Goodies 300 at Daytona in February. We've had a rash of pit stops. Terry Labonte was on pit road again, spent a lot of time in there, along with Kyle Petty, Mark Martin, Buddy Arrington, and Tim Richmond made another stop. And Harry Gant came on to pit road. They did a little work on the car, and Ned looks like they've taken his car to the garage. They indeed already have taken it to the garage. The crew is swarming over the car right now. We're going to get a word with Harry in just a second, but they're trying to see if they can get that thing uh straightened out to where he might get back out there. Harry, what, what went wrong up there? Nothing. I was just slowing down. I couldn't see, and I rolled the racetrack, and I spun out in the dirt. I didn't know where I was at, and, and then all the cars come in, and, and, you know, and then this big cloud of dust when I got in there. And I, I couldn't see nothing. I mean, I ain't seen nothing since they started up through that mess. Looked like he got hit on about every side. Yeah, a bunch of cars kept hitting and hitting, you know. I was hollering on the radio to tell me, you know, where to go. You know, I just couldn't see. Are they going to try to fix it, or are you going back out if they can? I hope not. I don't care about running. I'd about ready to quit before that. <laughs> well, this is not the way I know you wanted to end the season. No, not really. That's good. Barney, let me update you from turn six. Morgan Shepard did climb out of the nationwide Pontiac, okay? They put one of those uh, cervical collars on him just to give him the ride to the infield. But, again, he climbed out of the car. He looked okay. He made a bit of a wave to the crowd, so maybe a bit bruised. But that seems to be it for Morgan Shepard. And apparently the Kodak car has called it a day also. We see Rick Wilson just walking down behind the pit wall, and perhaps Ned can get a word with him as to what happened up there also. It'll be a long caution. They're still cleaning up all up through the S's. So it's going to be at least another lap or so before we go back to green. We can unofficially update you as to how they're running on the racetrack. Waltrip is the leader. It appears that Ricky Rudd would be second. Neil Bonnet has moved up into third, the fourth-place car, now showing as the number nine car of Bill Elliott. And in fifth would be Jeff Bonine. Unofficially, that would be the top five, and Joe Rutman shows up in sixth position. Barney, we can update on the Piedmont Airlines car. Back in the pits, Terry Labonte now coming off the jack for the second time during this caution period. They had a brake problem in the right front and now again in the left front. And I'm down in the 7-Eleven pits where we mentioned Kyle Petty had a transmission problem earlier in the day. I'm with Leonard Wood. And, Leonard, how's the transmission? Have you got the problem fixed? Well, we have a little transmission problem in, uh, with the linkage, and uh, hoping that we've got it back working again. I uh, uh, hope it don't act up again. And then also I'd like to say hello to my wife. She just had surgery and back home now. I hope she's feeling better. Well, we hope Betty's feeling better back in Stewart there. You guys had a big announcement this week about sponsorship for 87. Yeah, we had an announcement with Sitco as our major sponsor, 7-Elevens, our co-sponsor this year. And we was real excited about it. Uh, had a big big breakfast. And they uncovered the car, and they got uh, number 21 back on it again. Well, maybe number 21, that's Leonard Wood. They'll go racing in just one more lap. We'll be back at Riverside. 
Back under green at Riverside, California, as they're up to about turn six in one of the best battles on the speedways for about fourth position. All the way back from fourth to about eighth position, you've got Bill Elliott, Jeff Bodine, and Joe Rutman, Benny Parsons, Rusty Wallace, Dave Marcus, who has just gotten around Richard Petty. But at this point, now downhill to turn number eight, the front seven are all tied together. Waltrip leads that pack onto the backstretch. Darrell Waltrip in his final ride for Junior Johnson leading the way down the back straightaway coming off of turn eight and they are all in a row. They could get as many as four wide. That's how wide this long back straightaway is. But it is Waltrip and Ricky Rudd going under the bridge. 21 cars are on the lead lap. Terry Labonte's on the tail end of the lead lap as the leaders come out and head for turn nine. It's Waltrip, Rudd, and Bonnet, a six-car length gap that diminishes as they go in the turn, and Bill Elliott snuggles right up the rear bumper of Bonnet's car. Jeff Bodine is right behind Elliott. It's about three car lengths back to sixth place, Joe Rutman. Benny Parsons in seventh, Rusty Wallace in eighth, Dave Marcus in ninth, and Richard Petty in tenth. I think we have another yellow at eight. Check it. It's Ted Kennedy that had spun off the racetrack. He stopped for a moment, Bob, and then got his car fired again and has now continued around, and he did not interfere with anybody else. Won't see any better road racing than we were watching this afternoon. There's still six cars very much in the thick of things for the battle. They're up in the S's. Darrell Waltrip is on the point at the moment, followed by Ricky Rudd, Neil Bonnet. That's been quite a battle. Elliott's in fourth, Bodine. Rudman trying to get into the thick of things. He is sixth. Joe's in sixth. Merely three car lanes down to fifth place Jeff Bodine. Penny Parsons is another six car lanes behind Joe Rutman. Then ten more back to Rusty Wallace. And that ongoing battle between Dave Marcus and Richard Petty. But this time off turn six and heading downhill to eight. Waltrip stretches it out just a bit. If you call a two car length advantage stretching it out. He is opening it up a little bit as he comes off to eight. That little left-hander onto the straightaway. Darrell Waltrip out in front in the Junior Johnson Chevrolet. And a very good run for Dave Marcus, who is hanging in there very well. It's hard to know. At a racetrack like this, sometimes you don't have your cornering speeds like you do on an oval, whether you have a good lap going or a bad lap. But Neil Bonnet, as he comes off that turn number eight and goes for the straightaway, well, here's Bonnet going for second spot. He'll take it away from Ricky Rudd going into turn number nine as Bodine gets underneath Bill Elliott and takes away the fourth spot. Bonnet's got a way to measure how he's coming off that corner and down the straightaway. Well, it's easy to tell if you if you make good time. You know, coming up this back straightaway, getting off that corner is really critical. There's an access road part of the way down there. If I make a good run off of that corner, I'm in fourth gear before I get to that road. If I'm kind of slumped up in the middle of turn eight, if I start down the back straightaway, I'm all the way past that road, which is about 100, 150 foot further down the road. So somewhere I've lost a lot of ground. So I've always got me a gauge here when I'm doing it right when I'm doing it wrong. He did it right that time, but it got him a position. He moved up a notch as he heads for turn six. And he's within the car length and a half of Darrell Waltrip. Bonnet and Waltrip all day have been taking different approaches to turn number six. Neil coming in somewhat wider than Darrell, who takes the right side tires up against the ripple strip that rings the inside of turn number six. That's where Waltrip holds off Bonnet this time by, and Darrell stretches it to five car lengths off turn eight. And going into turn eight in the first portion of the turn, everybody gets way inside as close as they can to the dirt, but there are different lines coming out. Some swing very wide, some cut it off short. And Waltrip has now opened up about 10 car links on Neil Bonnet with Rudd right behind him. I think Junior would like to see Neil Bonnet and Darrell Waltrip finish this one first and second, and not necessarily in that order, but just see them run their final race out of his stable up in Ronda, North Carolina. And that's one thing that has not materialized over the years is a real close battle between these two. Good close battle for third spot as Jeff Bodine hammers away on Ricky Rudd trying to get underneath him. He's not about to give up. He bit the dirt in the middle of the corner. 
Tries to sneak under him out of turn number nine. Won't be able to do it. So he'll settle in at fourth spot. But Bodine is one of the strongest cars here this afternoon. Meanwhile, Waltrip takes him back into the S's. And again, Neil Bonnet's lost a little ground to it. Waltrip has stretched it to about six car lengths at the moment over Bonnet. Rudd, for the moment, reestablishing himself in third, followed by Bodine. Bill Elliott in fifth spot, still Ruffin in sixth. Danny Parsons turning in a nice ride. He is seventh, about eight cars back, and Rusty Wallace riding eight. Last lap was a costly one for Tim Richmond. He was going through turn six as two tires in front of him went off the racetrack. One was Ruben Garcia. Richmond came to virtually a total stop here in turn six to wait and see which way those two cars are going to finally clear off. So last time by, Richmond losing some distance to the leaders, but Neil Bonnet is staying with the race leader. He's four car lengths down to Waltrip off eight. Waltrip absolutely smoking his tires in the toughest portion of turn eight. Ruben Garcia paid a price for that adventure. He went very slowly down the back straight and make him into the garage. Here's the leader, Darrell Waltrip, now with 15 carling. Walter beginning to pull away just a little bit from teammate Neil Bonnet. He closes out his career with Junior Johnson here this weekend, and he really had a set of mixed feelings coming into this race. Everything's different all of a sudden. Uh, I, you know, it's hard to say. Uh, I look forward to next year, and I know I've got a great car and a great crew put together for next year, and the anticipation of that is certainly exciting. Then uh, turn around and have to look back at where I am or where I've been and uh, the friends and the success and all the things that have happened to me in this situation. And it does. It's, it's really uh, a two-edged sword, I guess. Uh, leaving something that's meant a lot to me and going to something that, yeah, you know, in honesty, has a, some unknowns to it. But looks like it's going to be a pretty hot deal to me. He seems to be very confident about next year. But, Ned, we talked to him a couple of times, and I know you feel the same way I do. Probably the two best combinations that have ever been put together in stock car racing would be the Wood Brothers and David Pearson and Junior Johnson and Darrell Walker. And they might end up like the Wood Brothers and Pearson, each one not really knowing what they had until they kind of go their separate ways. That's very true. Jill in this business before you have a winning combination and those two incidents that you mentioned certain that everything gel they had all of the ingredients that it took to win on this tough NASCAR Winston Cup circuit and uh, it just happens that every once in a while that it goes that well now certainly Tim Richmond winning six races this year you'd have to say that 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 chemistry is right and Richard Childress and Dale Earnhardt too but for longevity Certainly David Pearson and the Wood Brothers and Darrell Walter and Junior Johnson has uh, has set a standard there that will be off the tough to match. Even Darrell's had some second thoughts. I think there's a lot of truth to that, Barney. I think it, uh, you know, I think both of us, Junior and I both, have probably sat down on many of occasions, on many a night, and said, why did I do this? Or what did I do this for? What's the, why, why didn't I try a little harder to make this, stay to make this combination last? Whatever. I guess it's human nature or differences of opinion or pride maybe in some cases where one guy is not humble enough to say to the other guy hey I, I, you've done me a good job and I'd like you to stay or the other guy say hey I want to stay or whatever I guess that's where the two of us are a lot alike that uh, maybe we just never talked about it enough it'll be interesting to see but we wish them both well but I guarantee you the accommodation will be hard to duplicate on either one of them's part we'll be back at Riverside in just a minute 
Hey, Rich, what you doing? I'm putting STP gas treatment in my tank. What for? Expecting a cold snap? Huh. Shows how much you know, goofball. STP gas treatment does fight gas line freeze in the winter. But in the summer, it does something just as important. Yeah, what? Hot summertime air causes crud to build up in carburetors quicker. Uh-huh. Well, STP gas treatment cleans out my carburetor while I drive. No kidding. Yeah, so it helps me get better mileage and quicker acceleration. See you later. Well, where are you going? To get some STP for my carb. Richard Petty last season set a lot of records on the NASCAR circuit. Right, Mike. Like Bill Elliott's $2 million season and Darrell winning over a million dollars. I sure like those numbers. <laughs> I bet we also set a record for Goody's headache powders used in the garage area. Well, Goody's contains the most effective combination of pain relievers you can buy without a prescription. Just read the label. But why a new record? With a million dollar bill winning all that money, don't you think the rest of us had a year full of goodies headaches trying to catch him? <laughs> Darrell Waltrip is a leader. Neil Bonnet is second. Jeff Bodine is third. Fourth is Ricky Rudd. And fifth is Bill Elliott. From the Riverside International Raceway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. We're back at Riverside, California. No change in the running order, at least among the top ten. It still is Darrell Waltrip out front. Neil Bonnet riding second. Jeff Bodine having a strong run here this afternoon. He is third. Ricky Rudd is fourth. In fifth position is Bill Elliott. Sixth, they're now posting Joe Rutman. In seventh is Benny Parsons. There's still quite a few cars on that lead lap, Mike. I believe 20 of them right now, Barney. Alan Kulwicki is back in the race. He made repairs behind the wall, and he is now 12 laps off the pace. Let's get an update from Ned. We'll check back with Ned in a moment. Uh, Kulwicki went behind the wall, did some work, and got back on the track. He is now, he's just been overlapped by the leaders yet again, so he is 12 laps behind. George Palmer's dragging something underneath the car. He came through the turn seven area that's not being used here and may go in the back way. Well, if Fulmer goes to the garage area, we had a report a moment ago that he may be about to indeed retire that car. He would join Ruben Garcia, Morgan Shepard, Rick Wilson, Harry Gant. Alan Kowicki spent some time in the garage, as we just updated, but he has gone back onto the racetrack. John Krebs and Derek Cope are some of the drivers that are out here this afternoon. We mentioned that uh, Morgan Shepard had climbed out of his car, but now they are going to take Morgan to the hospital just to check on what could be a possible whiplash injury uh, from that crash. Morgan walked into the ambulance. He was, he was otherwise okay. Let's check in with Ned. Barney, they had to replace the tie rod on Alan Kowicki's car. Of course, he'd been off of the course a couple of times, and it got into the wall down in turn nine. So he's lost about 11 or 12 laps, as you say. But with that all-important championship still to be decided for the champion spark plug rookie of the year honors, he wants to get out and make as many laps as he possibly can. And uh, the Morgan Shepherds Nationwide crew wanted us to inform the people back home that the Morgan certainly seemed to be okay, but the doctor here at the track felt that they should take him in for an x-ray just to be sure that everything was okay. Just a routine pit stop on the leader a moment ago. Darrell Walker is moving back onto the course here at Riverside, California. He was in. They topped off the fuel tank and changed a couple of tires and sent him back onto the racetrack, and apparently we will see some more pit stops coming up here before very long. So that will move Waltrip out of the lead and give it to Neil Bonnet. Let's pick up the leader on the course. Coming down the long back straightaway right now, and they're uh, the leader. Neil Bonnet. Neil Bonnet up front, and uh, horse workers going up to inspect the track right in the middle of turn of the uh, long back straightaway. 
We've seen a lot of cars run off the course here today, and the dust is popping up from time to time. And if, if you come to Riverside for the first time and you look at any point of this particular course, you'll see a cloud of dust, and you automatically look and expect to see a heck of a wreck or something, and that's not the case. They just drop a wheel off, and the dust flies up like Harry Gantz said a moment ago, and it's very difficult to see. But fortunately, we don't have that many serious accidents here. Here is the leader. It is Neil Bonnet. Jeff Bonine is right behind him, about four car lengths back. Make it two seconds back to Ricky Rudd in third. Fourth is Bill Elliott. And fifth is still Joe Rutman. Sixth will be Benny Parsons. Seventh should be Rusty Wallace. Eighth belongs to Richard Petty as they wind around the racetrack here and head back into the S's. Joe Rutman doing a nice job up to fifth, laying a couple of wheels off the course once again, but keeps it pointed in the right direction. Benny Parsons doing a nice job, as is Rusty Wallace. Richard Petty's come on. He's moved up to eighth in the last couple of tours around. That seventh-place battle that have been Richard Petty and Dave Marcus, as Rick says, have now evaporated in Petty's favor. But Dave Marcus getting around awfully well in the Helen Ray Special. Matter of fact, he now follows the Adam Kowicki car around the course. Kowicki, though, as we've said, some 12 laps down. The leader is still Neil Bonnet by a car length or two over Jeff Bodine. And we'll see if Bodine can close down here. Bodine was losing ground on the straightaway to Ricky Rudd earlier in the race. And he is losing ground to Neil Bonnet. Apparently, that just doesn't have that much straightaway speed. Okay, one fellow's having a heck of a drive, though, is Joe Rutman. Rutman has climbed his way up through the pack. They've had good pit stops. It's his farewell ride with the Kenny Bernstein team. He had been replaced and made no bones about not being happy about it. Thought he could get the job done. May yet prove so today. We mentioned at the top of the show that at the age of 18 in 1963, Rutman finished 10th. On that occasion, his first Grand National race, uh, Bob Steinbrick, believe you were here, and that was a day for him to remember. It was a remarkable day for the young man, but there was a sort of a tragedy that followed that. They were trucking back east for another race after that race where he finished in the top ten here, and they were involved in a very bad head-on collision near Indio, which is about 60 miles east of here, out in the low desert, and that was the end of racing for quite a while for Joe Rutten. Right. Yeah. Of course, managed to bounce back. Had a lot of success on this racetrack and on the West Coast. And now he's one of the front-ranked drivers on the Winston Cup circuit. There is a caution flag waving at turn number nine. Now, in road racing, you can get a caution in one corner, but not all the way around the course. A full course yellow. The piece of debris on the racetrack that the record crew is going out to pick up. So the caution is waving in that area, but the rest of the track remains under green. And the leaders just passed by a moment ago, and it is beginning to tighten up among the front five. They should be up just around turn six. They have exited turn six and worked their way off turn eight and now down the back straightaway. And Bodine is staying closer to Neil Bonnet this time, falling back in third place is Rudd. Then it's Elliott and uh, Joe Ruckman and then Benny Parsons. Good run for Benny, who won here in the early 70s. So out from under the bridge in two-turn nine, Neil Bonnet leaves Bodine now by just a car length. It's about a second and a half back to Rudd. Elliott's right there, and so is Ruttman. Then Benny Parsons, Rusty Wallace, and Richard Petty. We have problems in turn number eight as Jim Robinson spins, collects three other guys with him, including Herschel McGriff. McGriff now pops out of that battle, so he continues on in the quest of the Winston West Championship. The other cars move away. Only Jim Robinson remains off the racetrack. Actually, the nose of his car barely protruding onto turn number eight's racing surface. That's one big advantage to road racing here is the fact that there is so much room when you do run off the course rather than run into a concrete wall or a steel guardrail and really demolish the race car. You just keep sliding in the dirt, which will bleed off a lot of speed, and usually everybody comes away okay. We will remain caution-free here at Riverside in the Winston Western 500. We'll be back in just a moment. Caution is out for that Jim Robinson spin up at turn number eight, and there's a flurry of activity in the pit lane. First Jerry Punch. 
Well, Ricky Rudd has the Motorcraft Ford in the pits. They will get a Ford tire change. A lot of competition down here. Jeff Bodine and the Levi Garrett crew in. Here's Bill Elliott's, Bill Elliott's car in. The Allugard car in the pits for Rusty Wallace. A lot of these drivers trying to get in and get four tires and get back out so they don't have to battle their way around this road course. A lot of traffic. Right side tires now going on the Motorcraft Ford. Right side tires already on the Levi Garrett car. Here's Neil Bonnet's car down and away. Jeff Bodine will be the second car off pit road. Here's Bill Elliott and the Motorcraft Ford now off the jack. And at the other end of pit road, Ned Jarrett. It was a good four-tire change for Neil Bonnet and the Budweiser crew here, Mike Joy. They really got that work done in a hurry, so that sent him back out. He led Jeff Budine down pit road. Darrell Walter is back in. This time he's getting right side tires. You mentioned that he had made a pit stop on the green flag a while ago when he was leading the race. He had a left rear tire that had gone down, so that was an unscheduled pit stop, but this will put him right back in the hunt now. He only had to take on two tires this time. Caution flag was a break for one driver, Jerry. What a... Well, it was. They were getting ready to bring uh, the car number 25 of Tim Richmond in. Richmond at Radio DeMay had a tire going down on the left side, and they're now checking the tires, and apparently the left rear tire was going down on Richmond's car. I see it roll by me. He's in the pits right now getting the right side tires, but he has fresh four fresh tires. He's down and away. So a lot of activity in the pit lane. For a quick recap on the incident at 8, let's go back up toward Eli. Jim Robinson, the Hollywood, California driver, spun, Mike, and collected a couple of other cars with him. We mentioned one in particular was Herschel McGriff. Everyone pulled away except Robinson, and Jim's car was just barely off the racing surface. And as many times as we've seen cars go off the track today, they had to make the call. From Riverside International Raceway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. Motor Racing Network will be back on the air Friday night, December 5th, at the Waldorf Astoria in New York. Barney Hall, Ned Jarrett, and I will bring you all the pageantry and excitement of the NASCAR Winston Cup Awards Banquet and our season retrospective Road to the Winston Cup will be part of that broadcast as well. Then Speed Week 1987 kicks off at Daytona in February. Uh, they'll send you full-color brochure on the Daytona, Talladega, and Darlington racetracks if you just want to write to Daytona International Speedway, ticket office, Box 500, Daytona Beach, Florida, 32015. You get a brochure on not just the Daytona events, but all the Events at Daytona, Talladega, and Darlington. Speed Week, for your information, kicks off February 8th with the Bush Clash and the ARCA 200. February 12th, Thursday, the Twin 125s, the International Race of Champions on Friday the 13th. The Goodies 300, February 14th, and the Daytona 500, of course, February 15th. Most of those events will be broadcast here on Motor Racing Network. And, of course, don't forget NASCAR Live every Tuesday night all through the winter off racing season or bench racing season. Eli Gold's guest this Tuesday will be Junior Johnson, and next week, car owner and drag racer Kenny Bernstein. We're working right now the third yellow of the afternoon. Jim Robinson spun up at turn number eight. That brings out this third caution. Quick rundown of cars that are in the garage area. They include John Krebs, Derek Cope, Rick Wilson, Harry Gant, and Morgan Shepard. Have all fallen by the wayside. 18 cars are right now on the lead lap. And looks like we will get a caution start. It looks like next time by, Harold Kinder is giving them one to go as Robinson comes to the pit lane. Here's the, the way they were running just before the caution came out at lap 50. Neil Bonnet, the race leader. We'll give them to you the way they are now as they come past. Bonnet is the leader. Bodine is second. Elliott third. Fourth is Rudd. Fifth is Rutman. Sixth is Parsons. Seventh, Wallace. Eighth, Richard Petty. Ninth to be Bobby Hillen. In tenth, Dave Marcus. Eleventh is Buddy Baker. After pit stops, Waltrip is 12th. Allison is the 13th place car. Earnhardt's in there as well, and there are 18 machines still left on the lead lap. They'll go racing coming out of turn number 8 this next time by. 
precautions here this afternoon. The attrition rate has not been all that high, at least among the front runners today. Of course, Rick Wilson has gone by the wayside involved in that crash up there earlier. He is okay if he just joined our broadcast. Morgan Shepard is out of it. They've taken him to a local hospital just as a precautionary measure. Ned said a moment ago it was more or less like a slight case of whiplash. And other than that, Harry Gant, who retired his car here this afternoon, are the only three of the top contenders that had a shot to win this race, probably that have fallen by the wayside. Give you the rest of those cars on the lead lap, Barney. Al Unser, Tim Retchman, Kyle Petty, Terry Labonte, Herschel McGriff, and Mike Waltrip is running at the tail end of the lead lap. Today's broadcast of the Winston Western 500 is brought to you under exclusive radio rights granted by Riverside International Raceway to MRN solely for the private, non-commercial use of our listeners. Any publication, reproduction, or other use of the description and accounts of this race without the express written consent of NASCAR and Motor Racing Network is prohibited. We're back under green as they whistle out from under the bridge and head back into turn number nine. Neil Bonnet has his hands full. He is being chased into the corner. The leader, Jeff Bodine, is right behind him. Bodine took a look underneath him, and the car sticks this time at the bottom of the racetrack, but he won't be able to get around him. Elliott has moved right up in the fray, along with Ricky Rudd. Those front four come off the corner. Joe Ruttman is there. Less than a half a car length separate the top seven or eight. At the start-finish line, single file. They'll work back into the S's. Good run today for Buddy Baker. As he said at the beginning of the broadcast, he's not all that good a road racer, but he's hanging right in there. They're back in turn two. Neil Bonnet continues to set the pace. Bodine trying to stay with him. Bill Elliott running very well, closing it up on Bodine. Rudd is fourth. Rutman fifth. Benny Parsons. Richard Petty has moved up on Rusty Wallace for a battle for seventh spot. The front four half pulled away now by about four car lanes from fifth place runner Joe Rutman. But coming uphill into turn number six, Rutman dives in a little bit deeper into the corner and cuts that deficit down to just a couple of car lanes. Into the dirt goes Dave Marcus, but he straightens his car out in a hurry. And it's single file all the way back except for Herschel McGriff making a move around Terry Petrus. The leader is Bonnet off turn eight. Bonnet throws it to the left to get it pointed the right direction, headed south on the long one-mile straightaway. Bonnet, one of the first of the southeastern drivers to go to a road racing driver's school as he stretches it out over to Bodine to about 10 car lengths, 8 car lengths back to Elliott, then it's Rudd and Grutman. As we talked earlier in the broadcast, some of the younger NASCAR drivers coming around are good road racers, others not so, and some folks kind of think the theory that it has something to do with geography. Ron Bouchard told us on this broadcast a couple of years ago that he enjoyed road racing and was kind of proficient at it because of racing around the roads up in Fitchburg, Mass. Bill Elliott grew up in the North Georgia mountains. I asked him if he thought his maybe road training helped make him a good road racer. You know, the thing about road racing is is, is growing up in the mountains, you know, you've got very curvy roads and you just kind of get used to driving on them, which, you know, any kind of racing is what you get used to doing, whether it's road racing, oval racing, it don't matter what it is. And you, you've still got to get used to that situation, no matter what you used to ride on as, as, as you were growing up or whatever. But, but, you know, I enjoy going to the mountains, you know, even on a motorcycle and driving through the curvy roads. And, you know, I guess it's the same as here, you know, just driving through the curvy roads, being in, being in the right place at the right time and trying to do the right things. Well, now, Rick Wilson, who admittedly is not a road racer, he grew up in Bartow, Florida, where it's flat, and there are no curves in the road, just right corners and flat straightaways. You know, like a lot of guys on the, uh, on the crew here, they, they say the same thing. You know, they're from they're from Tennessee, and they say they go up and down through the mountains, you know, and uh, flying around and racing kind of, and it probably helps, but when you're on flat ground, you don't, in straight lines like we do in Florida, you don't get a whole lot of that, and... Uh, like I say, I'm, I'm learning, and it, it could have something to do with it, you know, with them guys doing that. But still, it's a whole different ball game out here on the, it's a whole different ball game out here on the racetrack. Yeah. 
Well, that's true. You get a 3,700-pound stock car, no matter what you drive on the street and what the roads are like, this is a whole different way of doing things. And the right and left turns make a big difference, shifting through that gearbox. I didn't realize how critical it was to put the brakes on here at the proper time to kind of get the car to handle it very smooth, so to speak, can really cost you as much as a half a second. Bodine continues to keep the heat on Neil Bonnet. He's within a car length of catching him as they go back into the S's. Neil Bonnet turning in a very fine drive down at this part of the race course, but indeed, Bodine closes it right up, about two car lengths difference. Elliott, six car lengths back at third. Then it's Rudd, Rutland. Benny Parsons, still Rusty Wallace, and Richard Petty rounding out the top eight. They emerge from a cloud of dust again from some tires that kick up some of the Southern California dirt. It's Neil Bonnet feeling the heat of Bodine, and Jeff makes a move to the inside of Bonnet, but didn't get the good grasp coming off that hard right-hander of turn number six. So Bodine will again settle in right behind Neil Bonnet. That battle there allowed Bill Elliott to draw in within a couple of car lanes. They're tight for the lead off eight. Turn eight, the slowest turn in the course. You have to go down to second gear to get off of it. And then, as Neil Bonnet said earlier, if you can get it up to fourth, by the time you reach the uh, side road there, you're in good shape. And Bonnet's in very good shape as he opens up a two-car link lead on Bodine. Neil Bonnet brings it across underneath the bridge. He's the fifth driver to lead this race under green. Tim Richmond, Jeff Bodine, Ricky Rudd, and Darrell Waldrop before him. And Bodine is right on his back bumper as he goes into nine. Elliott's third, Rudd is fourth. Rutman is riding in the fifth spot. Benny Parsons fought his way up to sixth. Seventh is Rusty Wallace. Eighth is Richard Petty as they come off nine. Ninth is Dave Marcus having a good run here. And tenth is Bobby Hillen. Buddy Baker rides 11th. Tim Richmond from the back of the pack after that late pit stop under the caution has fought his way back up to 12th. Walter Bright with him is 13th. Allison is 14th. And in the 15th spot comes Dale Earnhardt. 16th will be Terry Labonte. And back in 17th, Al Unser. 18 cars are on the lead lap. Herschel McGriff is part of that group as the leaders go through the S's. More trouble for Kyle Petty moving very slowly down the back straight. The problem there with Kyle Petty, pretty much it seems a repeat of what ailed him earlier. The leaders are between turns 6 and 8 now in that downhill dip. Now uphill towards number 8. Single file all the way back from Neil Bonnet to Richard Petty. No one makes a move either way and they'll follow Bonnet off the corner. How about it? We're about 56 laps into the event here this afternoon of the Western Western 500. We'll be back in a moment. 7-11 Ford and Jerry Punch can update us there. Obarney well, Litany of problems continue for the 7-11 Sitco car, and I'm with Leonard Wood here. Leonard, originally transmission trouble, now something else. Yeah, I think uh, when the transmission linkage was messed up, he's running in high gear, and that puts a strain on the clutch when you're down in the low RPMs coming off the slow corners. And- so I think it started to clutch slipping then, and then now it is slipping. Well, they're concerned here about him finishing the race. He needs to stay in the top ten in the points to get that shot at the winner's circle, the final, ninth and final spot. You know, if Bobby Hill and Terry Labonte get in the top ten, they may not get that spot. Or if Neil Bonnet or Harry Gant would win. Of course, Gant's out now, but if Neil Bonnet would win, that spot would go to his car or car owner. So they're concerned here in the 7-11 Wood Brothers pit. There is a lot at stake for that car here this afternoon to post a good finish. Meanwhile, Neil Bonnet, who has dropped back to second, just keeps the leader in sight. He's about a second back of Jeff Bodine. He's having a good run here this afternoon. Ned Jarrett's in their pits. We're standing by with Tim Brewer, who is talking to some of his crew members here. Tim, Jeff went by. Is there anything wrong? Is it just sort of riding right now? Well, no, we're not riding. You know, really running the car pretty hard. Yeah, but the thing got a little bit loose while ago on this particular set of tires, so we're going to change around the stagger configuration for here a little bit. And, uh, we've got a couple more stops to go. Maybe we can get us that good set of tires and go after these guys again. They seem to be setting a tremendous pace, but I guess that's not really a big surprise here in the last race. You know, you ain't got nothing to lose right now, you know. Bones are on the table. All you got to do is pick them up and roll them. Okay, and that's what they're doing. They're rolling them. 
It's one way to put it, and it certainly is going that way here this afternoon. Bonnet anticipated a kind of a really knockdown, drag-out race all day long. Jeff Bodine is really whistling. He's just over toward the bridge in Bob Steinberg. He has opened up more than a one-second lead over Neil Bonnet, Barney. He's beginning to pull away considerably right now, and Bodine has had good success here. He likes road racing, as he told you, Mike, earlier in our broadcast here. I think he's been out here several times, and if memory serves me right, just quickly, he has won a race here in the past, I think, and he gets around here very well. He felt like yesterday, in that final practice session, that the car, if it worked all day long, that he could beat Darrell Walter for anybody else. He's proving it right now. Neil Bonnet is still a good second back. We're halfway in the Winston Western 500 this afternoon. Bill Elliott rides third, fourth. As they work back up into the S's, will be Ricky Rudd. And Joe Rutman picks it up at fifth spot. Benny Parsons still holding sixth. Then it's Rusty Wallace, Richard Petty. The top eight have moved out. Tim Richmond has knifed his way through the field. He's ninth, but quite a ways behind Petty. That battle for ninth place between Tim Richmond and Dave Marcus is one that has been coming and going over the last handful of laps. Richard Petty just ahead, however, trying to make an inside pass on Rusty Wallace going at a six. Richard doesn't get the good jump and can't make the pass. Meanwhile, further back, that ninth place battle, Tim Richmond and Dave Marcus, they're separated by just a couple of car lanes. They'll go around the 7-11 Ford Thunderbird, and that's a good battle to watch as Marcus again sets his sights on Richmond as they go into turn number eight, but Tim stretches it out. It's about a two-car length advantage now in that Richmond-Marcus battle. You talk about stretching it out. The margin is Elliott has moved into second place. Bodine over Elliott, 2.6 seconds. Jeff Bodine has really got the wick turned up on that Levi Garrett Chevrolet. He's hoping to end the season the way he started it in victory lane. Benny Parsons begins to put a little pressure on Joe Rutman. That's the battle back at fourth spot. In sixth is going to be Rusty Wallace. Seventh is Richard Petty. In eighth is Neil Bonnet. Tim Richmond has fought his way up to ninth spot. Marcus is tenth. In the eleventh position is Hillen. And twelfth is Buddy Baker. Thirteenth is Waltrip. Fourteenth is Allison. Fifteenth is Earnhardt. And sixteenth. Labonte, Al Unser, and Herschel McGriff are also on the lead lap as the lead pack of cars heads back into the S's and Rick Benjamin. Turn two shows pavement for about the second time. Oh, no, it's all dirtied up again. Yes, indeed. A lot of cars have been off, Mike. We've seen Rick McRae do a loop here in the last several laps. Uh, Mark Martin got off the course a little while ago. There's been just a tremendous amount of gravel kicked up on the racing surface here. It's been blown off and put back on a couple of times. And Here's evidently that has caused Neil Bonnet to run over somebody. He has had a flat tire on the left side. They've come in and have... Have changed. Well, let's see what did they do to the car. They went over with the jack and the tires, but they didn't change it. Let us get back to you in a moment here. There was some other problem on that car. Bonnet goes back onto the speedway. He won't lose a lap, but he's lost an awful lot of ground here in the Winston Western 500. Final race of the year unfolding here this afternoon. A lot at stake, not only in Winston Cup point money, among a lot of positions from second all the way back through about the top 15. But as we talked about Kyle Petty, very much at stake, and they're just hanging out there this afternoon trying to come up with some kind of a top ten finish or whatever they can. Barney, we've checked with Tim Brewer, the crew chief on Neil Bonnie's car, and the car had gotten locked in fourth gear. Now, we've mentioned many times before on road courses, transmissions really take a beating on the road course because you have to shift gears so many times, and his got locked in fourth gear. They come in and they have changed. They they have adjusted the leakage on it. Of course, he will stay in the lead lap, but he's way back now having a lot of catching up. I think that's the thing that everybody worries about. Darrell Walter put it into perspective yesterday when he said, if you could come here and know that you wouldn't break anything, you'd have it made. It's a lot like Martinsville. If I knew I could go to Martinsville and race as hard as I wanted to and I wouldn't have any brake problems, that would be such a load off my shoulder. Same deal here. If I knew I could come here and race as hard as I want to 
and wouldn't have any gearbox problems, that would be a tremendous load off my shoulders. But as many times as they go through that gearbox, Ned, what do they shift here? About six times each time around, at least that five or six? It depends a great deal on the, the type or the, the gear ratio of the transmission. And there is a varied amount of uh, different types of transmissions that they use. Some of them will shift six times. Some of them will shift as many as eight or nine times, just depending on how high the third gear is. And that, of course, would determine on how high the second gear is. So it, uh, it's a matter of strategy which way you want to go with it. So either way you go, Mike, you go through that gearbox at least five or 600 times, and every time you shift, there's a potential for something to go haywire or lose a clutch or whatever. That's a lot of rowing, Barney, to do over the space of 119 laps. Good news for Buddy Baker. Talked about drivers locked up in point battles. We mentioned that a lot of the independent drivers are trying to get on that top 25 at season's end for NASCAR's appearance plans. And Baker came here 25th in the points. Just a few points either way from Eddie Bierschwald and, and J.D. McDuffie. Bierschwald did not make the race. Rick Wilson is out. So, Ned, next time you pass Baker's pitch, you might mention they have locked up a top 25 spot for next season, regardless of where Buddy finishes from here on out. At the same time, though, it's bad news for the man who is chasing the Winston West Championship, Chad Little's car, just erupting in a plume of smoke. He has pulled off the course here in turn number six. Remember, he was only ten points behind Herschel McGriff for the West Coast Championship. So Chad Little will join George Fulmer, Ruben Garcia, who's been in and out of the garage, Morgan Shepard, Rick Wilson, Harry Gant, Alan Kulwicki, John Krebs, and Derek Cope as a few of the drivers that are out here this afternoon. We'll be back at Riverside in a minute. Today is also the final event of the Ingersoll Ram National Pit Crew Championship. And at the halfway mark in the race, Bill Elliott's Melling Racing Team leads the Blue Max Racing Team Rusty Wallace in that competition by 2.7 seconds after two pit stops. Darrell Waltrip's team is in third. All of those teams are running for second place in the annual championship, already clinched by Jeff Bodine's Levi Garrett team. But Jerry Punch reports there may be problems, potential problem developing on that Bodine car. Well, there are. There's some concern here in the Levi Garrett pits, and I'm with Gary Nelson, the crew chief. And Gary, you're concerned about a fuel problem, or, or more specifically, a fuel pickup problem. Tell me about it. Well, it's an unusual thing. The car seemed to start running out of fuel, losing fuel pressure at 23 laps. Uh, we should be able to go over 30 laps easily. So we stopped and filled it up with gas, and it was, we were right. We weren't out of gas, but we were losing pressure. So that's almost more than likely a fuel pickup problem or a plugged up fuel system. So we're watching it. Uh, 20, we're on about 17 laps now on our run, so the next six laps are going to be critical for us. Now you normally change the fuel pickup to put it in the left side of the fuel cell here because you're running clockwise here as opposed to counterclockwise. Yeah, you're right. That's a simple thing, and I'm sure we did that. I, I'm, I'm hoping the problem's something else and that it's not going to create us a big problem in, later in the race. Well, we'll watch the car number five. It should begin to sputter. If, they, if their predictions come true, it may sputter in six or seven laps, and they'll make an unscheduled early pit stop. It's the last place in the world you want to run out of fuel is Riverside, California. Alan Kowicki is back on pit road. He's been in and out of the garage just trying to come up with some kind of finish. From the Riverside International Raceway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. Here is Joe Rutman. Would probably be a scheduled pit stop, although it would be a little bit earlier. They're going to change left side tires on the car and dump in a tank of fuel. Meanwhile, it is heating up up front for the lead here this afternoon. As Jeff Bodine looks back, the interval now between first and second has shrunk to about 1.6 seconds. They should be at turn six. They've come by us 1.25 seconds now, so it's continuing to shrink as Bill Elliott tries to make a move around a slower car and close in just a bit more on Bodine. Jeff picks his way to the inside of Rick McRae's car off turn number eight and now pulls off down the backstretch. Coming down the backstretch, still some uh, traffic problems. 
for the cars behind him. But Bodine again looking very, very strong as he is again open at the margin of two and a half seconds over Bill Elliott. Then it's Ricky Rudd. And then Benny Parsons, an outstanding run for Benny. Here's Neil Bonnet back on pit road. Now he was there just not too long ago. They didn't put tires on at that time, Ned, but this time they're putting on a lot on left sides, putting a lot of water in through that grill to the radiator. So Bonnet gets his service and he's away. He's away, Mike. He moves down past him. We might mention that Joe Rutman pit stop was not a scheduled stop. Larry McReynolds in the Quaker State pits here. Larry, that was not a scheduled stop. What's the problem? He thought he had a tire going down. We changed the left side, didn't find nothing wrong, and the right side looked good. So he's talking to his driver now. That was an unscheduled stop for Rutman. Rutman's had a good run here this afternoon, and he would love nothing better than to get his first Winston Cup win, particularly here in Southern California, where he has an awful lot of friends and neighbors. He spent a lot of years out here. He was his home for a long, long time. Let's take you back through the field before this round of green flag pit stops really heats up. The way they're running at lap number 63, and right now we've completed 67, so it's a couple of laps old, but it'll be fairly current. Jeff Bodine was the race leader. Neil, uh, rather, Bill Elliott in second. Ricky Rudd third. Joe Rutman was fourth before his pit stop. Fifth was Benny Parsons. Sixth was Rusty Wallace. Seventh, Richard Petty. Eighth to Tim Richmond. Ninth to Dave Marcus. Tenth to Bobby Hillen. Eleventh is Buddy Baker. Twelfth, Daryl Waltrip. Thirteenth, Bobby Allison. Fourteenth to Dale Earnhardt. Fifteenth, Terry Labonte. Sixteenth, Al Unser. Seventeenth, Herschel McGriff. Eighteenth, Mike Waltrip. And nineteenth was Neil Bonnet. Those cars were on the lead lap. One lap back. Showing Jim Bound in 20th spot, 21st, Terry Petrus, 22nd, Ken Schrader, 23rd was Mark Martin, 24th was Bill Schmidt, in 25th, Glenn Sturrer, 26th, Jim Robinson, 27th, Jimmy Means, 28th, the Elmo Langley car, Rick McRae is driving that today, and 29th was Buddy Arrington, also one lap off the pace. Kyle Petty was riding 30th, first of the cars that were two laps down. Haven't said much about Arrington today, but he's got some new plans for 1987. We'll run down those for you a little bit later on here. And as we look on pit road, here is Neil Bonnet back in there. They're spraying water in the grill. Jerry, he must have an overheating problem. Apparently that's the case, Barney. They have the car down off the jack now. Tim Brewer, they had the left side of the car jacked up. It has stalled. Now they are pushing the car. They haven't refired, and Bonnet slowly moves down pit road. And he may go a lap down. Meanwhile, Joe Rutman has made two pit stops in a row also. Let's go up to Ned Jarrett. We're standing by with Larry McReynolds. Larry, what was the second pit stop for? Well, he- we didn't find nothing wrong with the left side tire, so we trained, changed the right side tires. He thought it had a tire vibration, but i got to believe if it developed a vibration after 20 laps, it's something probably in the drivetrain. Okay, so that's something they're very concerned about, and uh, after the run that they've had here today, you know, that's a disappointment for them, Barney. Two drivers that had a good shot to win here just a moment ago, both Neil Bonnet and... Bill Elliott was closed up a lot on the leader. Elliott is really, in fact, he has passed Jeff Bodine. Bodine slows just coming out from under the bridge, and he might have that fuel problem that we talked about a, a moment ago. We'll follow him into turn nine. He definitely will be coming out of pit road. Bodine way off the pace. Elliott has taken the lead. Ricky Rudd now moves up into second spot as they work out of turn number nine. Barney, look, when he came through us here in turn six, as though he might have had a tire going down, I wasn't quite sure it was a quick look, but that might be a problem. We pause ten seconds on the Motor Racing Network for station identification. 
Let's go to the pits. Well, it is. The right rear tire indeed is flat on Jeff Bodine's Levi Garrett car. They are changing the left side tires now, but the right rear is flat, so they're going to have to come around and change all four tires. I suspect they would have wanted to have done that anyway, Barney, because they can do that and still stay in the lead lap if there are no major miles. down the front, back straight away, coming to turn nine. Mike Waltrip spins his car three, four times. It goes around and slides through the dirt to the inside of nine. He did not make contact with anything, but raises a huge dust cloud. And he's far enough off the racetrack, Barney. If he can get that car refired, he should be able to come around, and we can stay under green. That is the one place that will really take your breath. That's the fastest part of the course here at Riverside, California. You're doing at least 170 miles an hour, even higher at times when you go into that corner. If you miss a shift or the brakes feel a little bit squirrely or something to that effect, it really gets your attention in a hurry. But Walter did a good job of getting the car out in the dirt, did not make contact with anything. It's going to bring out caution because apparently there is a big cloud of dust, and he might have thrown quite a bit of dirt and debris out on the racetrack. But we will go under caution again for the fourth time this afternoon. And, Ned, this is going to be a break for an awful lot of drivers. Yes, it will be, Barney. Those that have made pit stops during the green will be able to catch up to the field, and the others that had not made pit stops will be able to come in and make those those pit stops under caution. And, indeed, here's Ricky Rudd in to make his pit stop. All the rest of them will be coming in, and they'll all take on four tires this time, too. Bill Elliott's having taken the lead means that all four of the drivers fighting for second through fifth spot in the Winston Cup point standings, the final rundown, have led at least a lap here. And that, of course, includes Walshrop, Richmond, Elliott, and Ricky Rudd. Let's cover some pit stops, first with Jerry Punch. Well, Darrell Waltrip in the Budweiser Chevrolet, a major chassis adjustment going on in that car as Jeff Hammond and the crew are changing the left side tires. They are really adding weight in the right rear of that car. It's now off the jacks. They will make a four-tire change. I'm standing in the Neil Bonnet pit. We'll update the problem on Neil Bonnet. Just a minute ago, Tim Brewer told me it's not an overheating problem. They had the car on the jack because the transmission had been locked in third gear, as you heard Ned mention earlier. They came in, put the transmission in fourth gear, and he went slowly out of the pits. But Darrell Waltrip getting his four-tire change, and now Crewman completely inside the car, making a weight adjustment on the left rear. Ned, there's a lot of parallel parking going on up where you are. Boy, there really is, I'll tell you. Everybody coming into the pits at the same time, and there just didn't seem to be enough room, and everybody wanting to take on four tires. Bill Elliott and Benny Parsons got awfully quick service. Of course, Benny's farther down pit road, but he got good service, and they went out first. But the Piedmont Airlines car, STP car of Richard Petty, of course, Terry Labonte driving the Piedmont Airlines car. Bobby Allison was in. So was Tim Richmond, all of those getting a four-tire change. Joe Rutman came in. They quickly sent him back out because he had not caught up to the field too good, so he'll be bringing him back in once he catches up to the field. We'll set the field for you when we come back to Riverside. You know how a car looks if you stored it in the garage for about 20 years? It acquires a nice little coating of dust and so forth. That's what Mike Waltrip's car looks like right now. Trouble in the pit lane. Herschel McGriff spins his car trying to get into his pit stall, and it's facing the wrong way up pit road. Looks like they get him straightened away as Neil Bonnet comes past. Pit road has been a busy, almost too busy place here this afternoon. From Riverside International Raceway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Net. Still under caution here at Riverside, the fourth one of the afternoon when Mike Waltrip spun into turn number nine just a moment ago, did not make any contact, but kind of dirtied up the racetrack a bit, and that is the reason we are under caution. Everyone has been on pit road, and a moment ago, maybe a little problem in Dale Earnhardt's Wrangler pits. Let's go to Ned Jarrett. Well, Barney, as Mike Joy pointed out, it was awfully crowded up here as everybody came in. We're staying by with Richard Childress, owner of the Wrangler Chevrolet, and one of his crew members got hit, Will Lynn, but uh, we hope that he's okay. He's going to be checked out. Richard, is that uh, the correct assumption? Yeah, it just hurt his uh, foot there. It didn't hurt him. He's he's just I just told him to go get it looked at. Uh, they got us pitting 
an 18-foot car in a 15-foot pit. And it's impossible. This is the most dangerous pit road we have to come to. They, need to, they just got to do something about it before we come back here. It is a big concern of all the competitors, especially when they all come in at the same time, as they normally do under caution. Be sure you tell his family that he's okay, though. I just want to tell them that. Let's take you back through the field a little bit, at least through the top six or seven positions after this round of pit work here a moment ago. Bill Elliott has surfaced as the leader. It looks like Benny Parsons has moved up into the number two position, coming off pit road third. Good work for Ricky Rudd. Jeff Bodine is being shown up there, but I think Bodine might have lost that lap a moment ago, so he's going to have to pick his way back to the front. That will move Tim Richmond up into the fourth spot. Fifth is Richard Petty, and sixth is Rusty Wallace. Oh, Richard's hanging in there today. They always laugh at the line he takes around here. He says, I always entertain the fans and the other drivers by running in the dirt so much, but he's not doing all that bad. Well, no, he is having a good day. And, you know, Benny Parsons is having an excellent run here today. A lot of people don't know Benny has spent some time in road race cars. He drove a factory BMW in a 24-hour race, and he's, he's done some road racing out here at Riverside and Laguna Seca in the Camel GT Series. So he's an accomplished road racer. And the way he and Elliott are running 1-2, mindful of 19, was a 1984 here, the last race of the season. Parsons had a shot to win it, and Elliott and it was the man who ended up in victory lane. Green flag. We are back under green in the Weston Western 500. After a round of pit stops, everybody has new rubber and a tank of Unical gasoline. They're going to race a while. Elliott is the leader, but he has plenty of company right behind him. Benny Parsons hangs with him, and here comes Bodine. He's going to try and get that lap back. He gets around some traffic, has only two cars in front of him as they get right in the middle of turn number nine, and Elliott knows that the way his car has been working, he's got his work cut out to keep him back there. Out of turn nine, back to the start-finish line. Elliott is the leader. Benny Parsons, two car lengths back, will be the second-place car. Richmond will be third. Bodine trying to get back up there and unlap himself. We'll follow that battle around the racetrack as they work to the S's. Lap car of Kyle Petty pulls out pretty close. Elliott coming up on him. Elliott is your leader. Parsons, then the lap car of Bodine. Richmond up to third spot now. Rusty Wallace and Richard Petty. Dave Marcus, Bobby Hillen is seventh. Running in the eighth position right now. Bill Schmidt, we believe he's a lap down. Buddy Baker would be in eighth position. Here's an unscheduled pit stop for what was the third-place car, Ricky Rudd. Yes, they're changing the left side tires of the left front, at least uh, Mike Joy. Now the engine has died on the Motorcraft Ford, and apparently there's something wrong with the transmission. Now they're coming around to the right side to, to jack it up over here, so they do have major problems here. The leaders are out of turn number eight. Still Bill Elliott. He has now three car lanes on Benny Parsons, then the Bodine car. Bodine does not appear at this point to be able to make a move. Maybe he can draft around Benny Parsons as they go under the bridge. But Elliott is stretching out the margin over Parsons. Back under the bridge and toward turn number nine. 73 laps have been completed, working 74. Elliott passes by Kyle Petty, and here's Bodine going after Benny Parsons. Bodine gets underneath the Copenhagen car in turn number nine. Parsons has to give him a little bit of room. That's all Bodine needs. They're going to come off that corner side by side. In that second place battle, Elliott with the lead. Six car lengths back. Bodine will now be that second place car in line. Mike, I believe that, that when we check the scoring that Jeff Bodine is indeed in second place. Now, he had made a pit stop under green and taken on four tires, but see, he didn't come back in during this last pit stops, and, and he got caught up to the field. I think that he's running for the lead now. I believe you're right, Ned. We're double-checking that with scoring as the leaders go up through the S's. Richard Petty just lost fifth position to Rusty Wallace. They're up on the car. Ricky Rudd just come out of the pits. We've got a car in the dirt. It's Bill Schmidt for his second trip into the weeds today. 
Ricky Rudd still not up to speed here in turn six as Bodine is within a half car lane for the leader, Bill Elliott. It's Elliott, Bodine, Benny Parsons, and Tim Richmond. Those four cars are nose to tail. Richmond enters turn eight, looks inside of Benny Parsons, can't make the pass for third. They're chasing Elliott. Richmond has really been soldiering this afternoon. He was way back, and he worked his way through a pack of very competitive cars and managed to almost close up on the lead group of seven before the yellow came out. Now Richmond running the fourth place, has his sights set on Benny Parson. Herschel McGriff was coasting down the back straight a minute ago. Bill oh. Elliott is first out from under the bridge. He's one driver here who really enjoys road racing, and he may lose this lead as he gets up in turn nine. Bodine again makes that gutsy move, dives right to the bottom of the racetrack. Elliott saw it coming and tried to pinch him off there, going through the corner side by side. It's a dead heat for the lead as they work out of turn number nine and back to the start-finish line. Bodine is on the outside. Elliott's going to use up a lot of racetrack and take him right out against the wall and will hold him off. Some of the best racing of the day going on for the lead, and Benny Parsons is right there looking the situation over. Bodine may get the lead in turn two. Yes, he does on the inside. Bodine had the line. He forces Elliott to back out of it. Elliott takes second. Parsons and Richmond going at it. Hammer and tongues for third. Here's Richmond up alongside. Parsons can't do it. Benny closes him off, so Richmond will sit fourth. And as Richmond battles with Benny Parsons, it allows Rusty Wallace in fifth and Richard Petty in sixth to tighten it up. Now Benny is going after Bill Elliott for second place. The rear of the Copenhagen Oldsmobile kicks out as Benny drives it a bit too deeply into turn number six. So that allows Bodine to pull away by a car length, then Elliott by another car length before Benny Parsons in third. Fourth place is Richmond. Bodine, who did not have that much torque coming off of turn eight earlier in the day. Looks like he's got some now as he opens up about five car links on Richmond and on the Elliott, rather. That is Parsons, and running in the back of that pack, Richard Petty in a snub-nosed Pontiac. They'll pass Herschel McGriff's car, who is stalled at the entrance to the garage area off the back straightaway. The record's going to his aid, and they will not need the caution flag. Bodine, the race leader, into turn number nine. A car length back to Bill Elliott in third that will be Benny Parsons, just another car length back. And in fourth, Tim Richmond's automobile. Off the corner, back to the start-finish stripe. And this time pass, they'll complete 76 of the 119 laps. Richmond in fourth. Rusty Wallace is fifth. Sixth is Richard Petty. Seventh is Dale Earnhardt. Eighth is Dave Marcus. Ninth is Bobby Hillen. And tenth, Buddy Baker. Out here, a lot of races are won and lost in the pits. It doesn't matter how strong your car is. Spend too much time in the pits, and you're not going to win. Spending less time at airports is one reason more and more smart flyers are going with Piedmont. Piedmont's connecting centers are in less crowded airports like Charlotte and Baltimore. And that means we can usually get you in and out of airports faster than airlines that use those big busy hubs. Quicker turnarounds. Just one more reason Piedmont's winning the race. Piedmont, the official airline of NASCAR. Many top drivers own comfort coach, vans, pickups, and Suburbans for their personal use. Of course, that's not surprising. NASCAR's best drivers are accustomed to fine equipment. The vehicles they drive for a living have to be well-designed and constructed of only the finest materials. So naturally, they want the same standard of excellence in their personal vehicles. For quality and craftsmanship, it's comfort coach by Americraft. If we can please the world's best race drivers, we can please anyone. For personalized vehicles, it's comfort coach by Americraft. Louisville, Kentucky. Second spot's about to be the battle as Benny Parsons and Tim Richmond close up on the second-place machine of Bill Elliott. Ricky Rudd has had a long stay on pit road. Here's Ned. 
Uh, we talked about it a moment ago, Mike Joy. He went out and made one lap. He couldn't drive the car. There was something that was rubbing the inside of the wheel on the left side. So they have that jacked up now, and they're taking the brake calibers off of it. Apparently, that was the problem. They put a new one on it. They are replacing that now. We'll be sending him back out. But the defending champion of the Winston Western 500 looks like we'll not be able to repeat here today. Going to hurt him in the point chase, too, Barney. He's fourth, right, or rather fifth, just behind Bill Elliott by 33 points. And that's worth a lot of money when we get to New York. Little smoke coming out of Dale Earnhardt's car, and Michael Waltrip is back in the race. From Riverside International Raceway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. Very shortly, about 40 laps will remain in the Winston Western 500 here this afternoon. Herschel McGriff and Chad Little, who were to settle the Winston West Championship between themselves here today, both have had mechanical problems. Herschel has parked his car. Jerry Punch is there. Well, they have an ignition problem, possibly, Barney. They have the hood up on the back stretch here at the back entrance of the garage area. And the winningest driver in Riverside International Racing history, 13 times he's won here, is sitting in the car. Herschel, what's the problem? Uh, we broke a rotor in the distributor, so I'll be back out in a minute. We'll move back out of the way. They're trying to get the air breather back on and get him back on the racetrack. He's been around a long time. He's about as old as I is, <laughs> as David Pearson would say. And Barney, he's still you know, a heck of a race driver. Barney, ahead, you know, Herschel has never won the Winston West Championship. This means a lot to him. There was a lot of discussion about that this weekend. A lot of folks thought that he had, and he hasn't, and all of a sudden they've really made a, a, a big thing of it. And it is a big thing because the caliber of driver that Herschel McGriff is, he's competed almost regularly for the last 10 or 15 years out here on the West Coast and has been one of the top drivers. I just, in the back of my mind, I never really thought about it, but I assumed he'd won it a couple of times also, but that's not been the case. Well, I think almost all of us did, Barney, because he's won everything else there is to win out here. A little bit of trouble down here at the S's, gentlemen. Ron Esau spun the McDonald's Oldsmobile off turn two and did a couple of 360s. He's out of harm's way, but uh, can't get the car started for the moment, and uh, we'll wait and see what happens. That battle for the lead will be working up the hill toward Eli Gold. And coming up the hill it is with Jeff Bodine still holding four car lengths of an edge over Bill Elliott. Elliott in turn, a car length and a half on Benny Parsons, who has three on Tim Richmond. Each time in a turn six, passing us, Benny tries to make an inside move on Elliott. Bill gives him just enough room, then shuts the door, and that's what happens again this time. So downhill towards number eight in that right-hander turn. It's still tightly tied together, one through four, then two seconds back to the positions five, six, and seven. Wallace, Richard Petty, and Dale Earnhardt. They've got a slower car they should handle with the greatest of ease down the back straight, but when they get to nine, they may have some slower traffic in front of them. As Bodine, about a second and a half over Elliott now, then it's Parsons and uh, Tim Richmond, and then come Wallace, Petty, and Earnhardt, who's back in the fray. Should be 39 laps to go when the leader crosses the start-finish line, this time around the racetrack here in the Winston Western 500. It's far from being over. They'll make at least another pit stop here this afternoon. That can change the whole complexion of this race as it has many times throughout the day. Bodine pulls him off the number nine corner. Boy, he has really had a day getting around this racetrack. Not a better handling race car here than his has been all day long. Give Bill Elliott a call today also because in the beginning, his car not working too well, but he's managed to keep it right up there. And as Mike pointed out a moment ago, the sleeper of this race could be Benny Parsons. It is pretty well stabilized around the racetrack for the moment. Looks like they're just going to ride a little bit here for a few more laps. That'll give us time to take time out on MRN for Harry Hyde's Tech Talk. I'm T.G. Shepard, and this is the Folgers Racing Tech Talk Show. We're here at the racetrack for the Folgers Racing Team, getting things started with a steaming hot cup of Folgers Mountain Grown Coffee. Now, the big Hey, T.G., how about a cup for me? Good Thanks, T.G. Yeah, because nothing brightens my morning. Hey, T.G., do I smell Folgers coffee in your throat? Sure, here, let me pour you a cup. Well, thanks, T.G. Now, like I was saying. Hey, T.G., old now, buddy. wait a minute, guys. Now, if you can make a car move as fast as this Folgers, you get to hear me sing. So, here we go. The best part of waking up 
is holders in your cup. Uh, say, D2, why don't you just pour us some more? Sure, thanks, guys. Just, thanks, guys. Just win the race. Just, just win the race, okay? And here's our crew chief, Harry Hyde. Hello, everybody. Today's topic is radio communications. In the old days, the only way to communicate with your driver was to hold up a chalkboard and hope that the driver got the message. That system was replaced about 15 years ago by using two-way radios. Miniaturization technology makes it possible to fit a headset inside the driver's helmet. He's hooked up to a transmitter, and this way the crew chief and the driver can talk to each other. This is a big help to any racing team, but it works both ways. Our team often monitors the communications between competitors to find out what's going on with them. Two-way radios aren't the only means of information. Motor Racing Network broadcast has a lot of information during a race that can be helpful in keeping track of the competition. If you have any questions about racing or our team, write me, Harry Hyde, the care of Motor Racing Network, Box 500, Daytona Beach, Florida, 32015. Thanks, Harry. We'll see you next time on the Folgers Racing Tech Talk Show. 81 laps complete here at Riverside, California in the Winston Western 500. Jeff Bodine really having everything his way. Good run for Bill Elliott and Benny Parsons. They're the only two cars for the moment that really have been able to keep the leader in sight. And Parsons has had probably one of his best runs ever here at Riverside, although Benny has won at this particular road course also. Here is uh, Bodine out from under the bridge with Bill Elliott, Benny Parsons, and Tim Richmond. Those four cars all within striking distance of one another as Mike Waltrip limps along and he'll go toward the garage area in fifth will be rusty wallace's machine and wallace is trying to hold off the charge of dale earnhardt and richard petty dave marcus is back in eighth ninth is bobby hillen tenth is buddy baker eleventh is terry labonte in twelfth bobby allison thirteenth daryl waltrip fourteenth is joe rutman fifteenth is neil bonnet and sixteenth uh, i'll check that sixteenth would be al unser senior Having a good day today in the Digman Brothers racing machine. That's a Pontiac. They'll run 18 races or so next year. No word yet, I believe, on who the driver will be. We mentioned Buddy Arrington a while ago, and we've not heard much about the driver from Martinsville, Virginia, out here this afternoon, but he talked to me yesterday about his plans for next year. I've made a lot of progress. It looks real good. I don't want to announce it right now. I think we got a, a surprise at New York at the Victor Dinner thing, and uh, uh, we're going to do it all up there, and, and I'm pretty well set, I think, on what I'm going to do. And, and I'm going to step down and put a guy in a car and go racing. Pull a Richard Chillis, I guess you'd say. Well, sure worked well for Richard. He'll be the Winston Cup champion car owner when they go to New York next month. And Buddy Arrington talking with several young drivers, going to put one in the seat. May run a couple We've races himself. We've got some himself. changes that are about to take place. Benny Parsons tried to make a move in turn eight. He couldn't do it. Now he's about to drop back to fourth place. Benny Parsons has indeed dropped back to fourth place. Tim Richmond got him coming down that long back straightaway and will pull him into turn number nine. And Richmond has had a car that has worked well here today also. Parsons looks to the outside. You don't pass on the outside in turn nine, but he's going to give it a try. Now he has to back out of it as they come out of the corner. Benny hanging tough right in there in the front four. The leader is Jeff Bodine. About ten car lengths back, Bill Elliott. Make it about another five car lengths back to Tim Richmond and Benny Parsons. The front four pretty well locked together. But from there back to Earnhardt, even with a damaged car, he told Childress, Richard Childress, earlier this afternoon he's having a lot of trouble driving the car. But Rick Benjamin, he's been getting up through the S's about as quick as anyone in the last 10 or 15 laps. He goes by us looking very sharp, but he's really got a wrestling match with that car, Barney, today. He's really hustling the automobile. He just smoked by Rusty Wallace a few laps ago in front of us without any problem. I think he'll be in that top five battle before much longer. 
But last time through turn six, Jeff Bodine really showed what he had because his car got off into the dirt. It opened the inside for Bill Elliott, who drew right alongside Bodine, and Benny Parsons made that inside move also. But by the time they got off turn number eight, Bodine had fought off both Elliott and Benny and pulled away by ten car lanes. Bodine much wider coming off of turn eight. Then was Bill Elliott. That may be a sign of handling problem. Jim Baum was smoking last time by. That same four top cars are still at it. Darrell Waltrip has fallen back in the pack, and I asked Darrell yesterday if he was if he was glad the season is about over. I, I hate to see it end. I enjoy doing this. I just seem to roll right on off into the next race and keep right on going. And uh, you know, we got a few weeks off, and that's that's nice. You got Thanksgiving with the family and Christmas and. You got testing in there, and there's a lot of things going on, so it's not really like the season ended, but I seem like that I'm at my best right when we get finished every year, and I'd like to just carry that momentum right on over into Daytona and uh, see if that wouldn't help me win that race sometime. Well, he would like to do that, and there's another driver that probably would do the same thing. Well, everybody's mind is on racing, but there are a couple fellows who today might just as soon be somewhere else. It's kind of tough when racing season runs into hunting season. Neil Bonnet. All right, all right, now we're talking. Uh, yeah, he's going home with me from here, and we're going to stay. We have trouble in doing. turn number six as Richard Petty and Rusty Wallace get together. Both cars spin and semi-block the racetrack. There's still room for everybody to get by carefully. Wallace spins off to the infield dirt on the near side of the track. Petty the other way, and everybody who was double file now goes single file to get away. Rusty Wallace refires the car, and Richard Petty now does get the STP Pontiac going again. That's going to drop both of them back in the field. Rusty had been posted in fifth position, Richard up in seventh. So that'll change the complexion a little bit here at Riverside, California. We'll be back in a moment. On the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. Here's Dale Earnhardt, driver of the Wrangler Chevrolet Monte Carlo. What I learned from my dad when I was growing up, we did quite a bit of quail hunting together. Uh, I enjoyed going with him. He's always going for the best, you know. He'd always have his dogs working the best, and he hunts hard just as hard as he raced. When he's not racing, being with his family comes first with Dale. They all wear Wrangler jeans, shirts, and casual wear just like he does. Wrangler, a legend in jeans. Right now, your body's thirsty for more than water. You work your one and only body like you never had before. Quench it, feeling is thirsty. So go and give your thirsty body what it's feeling thirsty for. Quench it, feeling is thirsty. For that deep down body thirst. Gatorade Thirst Quencher quenches the thirst in your throat while it helps put back the potassium fluids and minerals your whole body's thirsty for. Quench it, Gatorade is thirsty. For that deep down body thirst. At Riverside, California, 85 laps have been completed, working lap 86. Uh, a near miss, well, an incident up at turn six, a recap from Eli. Richard Petty and Rusty Wallace are both going for the same spot through the final S of the S's, and all of a sudden the two cars got together and spun and had partially blocked the racetrack. It was good driving on the part of most everybody else to take evasive action either to the near side or the far side, and then finally Petty and Wallace both managed to continue, but that battle was a tough one. Kind of uh, dented in the front nose of Richard's STP Pontiac for about the oh tenth or twelfth time this season that that thing has resembled something other than the way it came out of the out of the design studio up in Pontiac, Michigan. And that's too bad too because he'd been right up in the thick of things in the top five most of the day, and now it's dropped him back in the pack. And here's Dave Marcus down in turn number nine, and from the smell last time by, it smelled like rear end grease, and it may have just let go. He really lights up that turn number nine area with smoke, and quickly Harold Kinder has the black flag in hand. 
Nobody slipping and sliding up at that end of the racetrack. And Marcus, apparently his eye is out the windshield, not the mirror. He stays on the racetrack, gets the black flag. No further incident than that. From the Riverside International Raceway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. Back at Riverside, California, the top five. Jeff Bodine is the leader. Elliot Wright second. Tim Richmond is third. Benny Parsons is fourth. And Dale Earnhardt round out the top five. And there's not much interval, about two seconds among the leader back to fifth position. Quickly, let's go for an update to Ned Jarrett. Herschel McGriff has pulled his car behind the wall again, Barney. And just as we're about to stick the mic into... Uh, to get a word with him, they said fire it up. They have changed the distributor on it, so apparently the rotor button that they changed earlier was not the problem. They've changed the distributor. It sounds okay to us, so he'll be getting back out there in a moment. Well, he can win the Winston West Championship. He should because Chad Little, the gentleman who had a chance to take it away from him here today, has retired from the race a little bit earlier. Here's Dave Marcus. We talked about a moment ago. A lot of smoke out of his car. With the hood up, let's go to Jerry Punch. Well, he has him down pit road, Barney. They have the hood back down. They have made a left side tire change. Now they'll make a right side tire change. He came by us with a lot of smoke and a sour smelling rear end in that car, as Mike Joey had speculated. Now the hood goes back up on the Helen Ray Chevrolet, and problems continue to plague Dave Marcus. It's a shame for Marcus, Barney. He was running in the eighth spot, had a good run going here today, but apparently it's going to take a little longer to cure that rear end problem and get him back on the racetrack. Update from the hospital. Morgan Shepard was taken for precautionary x-rays. Suspected whiplash, but uh, Morgan course was conscious and alert talking to everybody and did not believe that there was any serious problem the x-rays were merely precautionary will lynn the crew member on dale earnhardt's crew that involved there in that pit road mishap has been taken to the hospital for x-rays the track doctor suspect broken bones in his foot as a result of a race car tire going and rolling over his foot trying to exit the pit so uh, he is in the hospital as well and again will is is very much okay except they do suspect a fracture 88 laps are complete here at Riverside, California. Go ahead. The King is still at it. Barney, Richard Petty passed three cars going through turn eight. Almost unheard of. Petty is tough out here today. Buddy Baker slows just coming out from under the bridge in the back straightaway. He might be out of fuel. He might have a serious problem on the car. We'll follow him through turn number nine. Baker's had a good run today. And that Crisco Oldsmobile had a good year for that matter. One of his best ever. And it looks like he'll be coming on the pit road. We'll follow that and see what the problem is. Ned, when will the other pit stops come up? At lap number 88 with 119, completing the distance here this afternoon. We'll see them in what, in about another 10 laps or so? Yeah, I would say so sometime around there. Although Terry Labonte's in now at the Piedmont Airlines Oldsmobile, he's going to get left side tires and a tank of fuel, so maybe they'll be coming in a little bit earlier with suspected. And I think that we are seeing more drivers down here today that has the fuel pickup problem than we've seen in the past for some reason or another. Labonte, they're going around now to change the right side tires on the Piedmont Oldsmobile, so it'll be a complete four-tire change for him. But one more pit stop should do him, and then he'll be able to go the rest of the way. And it looks like Mike Waltrip is going to call it a day. They dropped the window net in the Hawaiian punch machine, and the speculation is that he has lost the engine in that car, and we pushed around toward the garage area. And Mike, he also lost the windshield in that car. He came by us a minute ago, and the right side of the windshield had been caved in in that car. He just came rolling, not under power, and he was pushed down pit road by the Dingman brothers who were pitting at the very far in the pit road. I'm in the Buddy Baker pitch with crew chief Doug Reichert, and Doug, what's the problem? Buddy came in and sort of waved off the pit stop. Well, they came in, and the uh, only thing we seen was him circulating his hand around with the shifter. So, evidently, we've lost the gearbox itself, or something went wrong in the shifting linkage. Well, Jerry, as you're talking, he's pulled the car back behind the wall and is headed towards the garage area with it. And Darrell Waltrip is on pit road. A report here in the tower a moment ago that he had probably cut down a right tire. Jerry, any word on that? We're headed that direction. They have the right side of the car on the jacks as Jeff Hammond and the crew now dropped the car off. 
And Walter was down in the way. We'll get a shot here from Jeff or Junior Johnson in just a moment. They topped that fuel tank, and he should be able to go the distance, so it likely would be Darrell's last pit stop. They would have liked to have stayed out there a little bit longer. Herschel McGriff is still sitting here at the exit to pit road waiting to get back onto the racetrack, and now he'll take his car back out onto the speedway. Marty, we have Jeff Hammond with us, and Jeff, that tire looks pretty pretty well used up. What happened? Yeah, Jerry, the racetrack just covered with debris all, all the way around the whole portion. People are cutting down tires right and left. This is the second one for us today, and you know, it really hurt. But, uh, you know, fortunately, I think we can be able to go the rest of the way, so we're going to be pretty much in sync with the rest of the cars. Maybe we'll get a caution flag, and we'll be in pretty good shape then. That's Jeff Hammond. We'll mention for the folks back east, uh, this racetrack that has asphalt and then a wide dirt area before you get out to the wall in most areas around the racetrack. So debris on the track is not a function of, of any problem with the racetrack or the way the race is being run. But a car gets off in the dirt, and you know as you drive down the road, you do that, and it sprays stones and a small piece, pieces of dirt and small stones everywhere and up on the racetrack. These racing tires, if you've ever seen one, are not as nearly as thick in the carcass as a passenger car tire. So they're very susceptible to stones and to, to bruises and being cut down like that. So it's a tough break for Waltrip in this case. It's happened to several drivers this afternoon, but the risk is equal for everyone. And it's easy to say if you just stay on the racetrack, but it's sure not easy to do when you're out there. Well, there's no way. As many turns as there are on this place, and traffic gets a little door-to-door, uh, -door, sometimes three abreast going into the corner, particularly the S's. They're running real hard, and the turn, you go in there, and you're just going to drop a wheel off in the dirt, and as you pull the car back up onto the asphalt, it's going to bring some dirt and debris with it. That's just part of racing here. We'll be back at Riverside in a minute. Here's Ned Jarrett for Bush Beer. April 29, 1982. Benny Parsons became the first NASCAR driver to officially qualify at over 200 miles per hour when he won the Bush Pole for the Winston 500. That was one smooth performance. Here's another smooth performer, Bush Beer. Bush always goes down smooth as a mountain stream because it's brewed naturally with only classic American ingredients. So next time you watch NASCAR Smooth Ones, enjoy the smooth taste of Bush Beer, the official beer of NASCAR. Anheuser-Busch, St. Louis, Missouri. Here's Winston Cup driver Neil Bonnet. Even racing at 200 miles an hour, I can see the fans in the grandstand with the red and white striped buckets of Kentucky Fried Chicken. All those smiling faces, and I can see all those... Neil, can you really see all that? Well, I am pulling your leg a little bit. We're out of legs, Neil. In fact, we're plumb out of chicken. I know where there's more. I saw a guy out in Section 14, Row 5. He's got a red cap and a blue stripe. Chicken, right. Buddy Baker has fallen out of the race, and Jerry Punch is with him in the garage. Buddy, you gave the Crisco Oldsmobile a pretty good ride out there. What finally put you out? Well, something broke on the shifting lever. I'm not really sure what it was. Uh, I just didn't have any gears but the gear that it was in, and we're not running for the point championship. We decided rather than be in the way out there, we'd be better off to park it. For someone who doesn't do a lot of road course racing, you really came up through the pack there. Yeah, we're running good. Uh, I race a lot better than I qualify, but, you know, I'd just like to thank Crisco for the opportunity to come out here. I'm sorry we didn't finish. Well, that's Buddy Baker. And Jerry, right behind you, Benny Parsons is coming in the garage area. Very unexpected. Benny was the third-place car, had a good run going here today. Jerry Punch will be with Benny Parsons in a few moments. 92 laps complete, 17 to go. Check that 27 to go here from Riverside International Raceway. This is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. Contact the two Thunderbirds spinning up toward the wall, and that's where McCray has come to rest. More pit stops, Al Unser, Daryl Waltrip, now Rusty Wallace, Bobby Allison, Joe Rutman, the Bobby Hillen, and Kyle Petty automobiles 
all making stops under this caution flag. Mike, uh, we, we have Michael Waltrip in the garage area. He's climbed out of the Hawaiian Punch Pontiac. And Mike, uh, running for Rookie of the Year, it's been a pretty good season for you. You and, and Nick Bear coming together, but it's been a long day today. Well, you know, the beginning of our downfall, coming into the bend just before he go into nine, we exploded a right rear tire. And, you know, that's a 175-mile-an-hour left-hand corner. I spun the car when that happened, of course, and uh, shook me up a little bit, first of all. But we got that straightened out and went back out, and uh, the motor seized up. It seems like maybe when we blew the tire, it, it closed the exhaust pipes, and the exhaust couldn't escape, and it might have blown the motor up in that, in that way. For the people listening back on the East Coast, I've had a very good weekend in California. It seems like we've secured some sponsorship for next year. Um, a potential deal is just a matter of signing some papers. And uh, Queen of Tarts, a, a food dis- distribution center here in L.A., is going to help us. And it's just made a, a really worthwhile trip to California. And I'd like to thank uh, Dick and the team for a competitive car out here. We were running well. An emotional Mike Walter, who wanted so badly to win that Rookie of the Year. And it's not over. He and Kowicki awfully tight just the last race of the season. He's come a long ways in 1986. He has really matured quite a bit and has turned into a pretty good race driver. Rick McRae's car is still being attended to over there, and apparently he is okay. They scattered a lot of debris in that corner, so we'll be under caution at least for maybe another two or three laps. We'll be back at Riverside. These days, you have a lot of options on telephone service, so make sure your connections are the best with quality master electrician telephone accessories from True Value Hardware Stores. Hi, Pat Summerall to say you can update your phone equipment with modular jacks and converter plugs. And if you like to stay active while you're talking, extend your reach with extension cords for your base or receiver. You'll find quality phone accessories by Master Electrician exclusively at participating True Value Hardware Stores and Home Centers. Tell them Pat Summerall sent you. Hey, nice watch. Oh, that's my Timex triathlon. It's great for watching the race. Let me see it. Uh, the race is starting. Wow, the triathlon has a stopwatch with an eight-lap memory, yeah. so you can uh, clock the finishes of your eight favorite drivers. I know. Hey, this triathlon must be really accurate. Wait it's a got minute. an alarm. It's water resistant. We're missing the race. You know, you're right. This Timex triathlon is great for watching the races. Give me my watch. Look for the triathlon at your local Timex dealer. Only thirty-four ninety-five suggested retail price. Timex, the official timekeeper of NASCAR. Working the fifth caution of the day here at Riverside International Raceway. This is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. We'll be going back to green on this lap. Today's Winston Western 500, the last race MRN will broadcast in 1986. But we will be in New York Friday night, December 5th, for the NASCAR Winston Cup Awards Banquet. Hope you'll join us on many of these Motor Racing Network stations on Friday night, the 5th of December. And every Tuesday night, many MRN stations carry NASCAR Live, where you can call in toll-free with your questions for the newsmakers in auto racing. This Tuesday, call in talk to Junior Johnson. Next Tuesday, drag racer and Quaker State Buick NASCAR car owner Kenny Bernstein. All on NASCAR Live Tuesday nights here on MRN. We're back under green at Riverside, California, as they whistle down toward the bridge. And Richard Petty leads that pack, but he's almost a full lap down. Out in front is Jeff Bodine right behind him, Bill Elliott. Richard Petty is on the tail end of that lead lap. Should be. Bodine will be the leader as they work into turn number nine. Elliott rides second. Richmond will be the third place car. And that's going to be a scramble from here to the finish. 
battle is for second spot as they get right in the middle of the corner. Richmond trying to get underneath Bill Elliott in the turn. Won't be able to do it. Single file, they'll come off the corner, but everybody with a change of rubber all the way around and a tank of fuel set to go to the finish here this afternoon. Bodine, who has had probably the best handling car at Riverside this afternoon. Richmond goes for second spot. He may get it before they get to the S's. Richmond does have second spot. Barney, it is Bodine closing in on Richard Petty to put him a lap down. Richmond with some left side body damage. Second spot. Dale Earnhardt making a move on Elliott for third, and he gets by. So Earnhardt goes to third, dropping Elliott back to fourth spot. So a gutsy move there for Earnhardt. Meanwhile, Jeff Bodine closes an even more so on Richard Petty. Petty again is just ahead of Bodine, but is on the tail end of the lead lap. No chance to make a pass off number six. Between six and eight, Bodine looks inside of Petty, but again has to settle single file. There's no chance to make a bid here. The right-hand sweeper into turn number eight, and Bodine closes in again to put Petty a lap down. A little left-hander. It's a mile down to turn nine. Earlier in the day, Richmond was able to pull away from Bodine on pure power, but it doesn't look like that's going to help him that much this time as three cars go side-by-side side under the bridge. Out from underneath, it'll be Bodine. He'll be the race leader. Richmond is right with him. They have left Bill Elliott in their wake. Earnhardt has moved up into the third spot. Terry Labonte just ahead of the race leader right now on the tail end of the lead lap. Petty just barely a lap down. Earnhardt gets up alongside him. It gives Bodine and Richmond a little breathing room. And, Barney, we're right back where we were when we started this race with the Hendrick cars up front. Well, it may be a shootout between those two, but don't count out Earnhardt because he is coming and coming in a hurry along with Bill Elliott. There's still plenty of time left for either one of those two to get up there and challenge for the lead. Richmond may go after it again in the S's. Nope, he's going to tuck in single file again. Bodine had the rail on him going toward two, so Richmond will have to settle for second. Earnhardt has done, I think, the finest job we've seen today, just marshalling that car and bringing it to the front after the early wreck. He is third. He is challenging, knocking on the door with Richmond for second. And the varying driving styles, Jeff Bodine, he's smooth through the corners. Tim Richmond, he'll go wherever he needs to. Earnhardt calls his style aggressive through the corners, aggressively effective. And Richard Petty, well, he's got his own way around this racetrack that nobody can duplicate. So top four guys with four varying styles and then Bill Elliott tightly in fifth. And Bodine about two car lengths up on Richmond as they come off of turn eight and head down the hill. And Bodine looks to be opening it up a little bit. He's got Labonte in front of him. Labonte's almost a full lap behind and he is widening the margin. Out from under the bridge and back toward turn number nine. 98 laps on the board, 99 this time. They move past a slowing Ruben Garcia. And into nine, Bodine will try to put Labonte a lap down. Labonte's 11th, the last car on the lead lap. And Bodine now has about four car lengths of breathing room from Tim Richmond. But then Earnhardt is just three car lengths behind Richmond as they come off the ninth corner. Bodine to the outside. Inside of turn nine to the outside of Terry Labonte as they set up for turn number one, trying to lap the Piedmont Airlines car as Richard Petty comes on to pit road. Meanwhile, back in the pack, Waltrip trying to move up a bit. He's battling Bobby Hillen hard for position as the leaders go into the S's. It is Bodine out in front. Richmond now stuck behind Terry Labonte for the moment. He is second. Earnhardt hanging right there at third. Then it's Elliott. Rusty Wallace and Joe Rutman come along next, followed by Bobby Allison and Herschel McGriff. The car just ahead of the leaders is Alan Kowicki in the Quincy Steakhouse Floyd. Kowicki comes to the inside. Labonte moves to the inside as he, too, got caught up in the lead cars. They'll let the leaders go by, but Bill Elliott now gets sandwiched behind Labonte to the front three. Bodine, Tim Richmond, and Earnhardt really pull away, using race traffic to leave Bill Elliott out to dry. Earnhardt is really closing hard now on Richmond, and Bodine is pulling away from Richmond a little bit. Those are the top three cars as Bodine 
hurdles down that mile-long straightaway, about six car lengths on Richmond, and then three car lengths to Earnhardt. If Jeff Bodine keeps running like he has most of the day, he'll be awfully hard to catch, but Richmond will give it everything he's got. They've been up there battling off and on throughout the day, as they have all season long. Bodine takes them back into turn number nine, and Richmond closes. That is his strong suit here at Riverside. He's been able to get within striking distance through that corner, but that's about all. He's about six, seven car lengths back as they work out of turn number nine and back to the start-finish line, and Richmond knows that Dale Earnhardt is right behind him. If he makes one slip, he's going to lose that second spot. And for Tim Richmond, there's an awful lot at stake here this afternoon as they'll make another lap pretty well strung out around this racetrack for the moment and give us a quick minute to talk with the director of special events for the R.J. Reynolds Tobacco Company and Winston Racing Division, T. Wayne Robertson. And, Wayne, there is an awful lot at stake, $80,000 for Tim Richmond if he continues to do just about what he's doing, that's finish ahead of Darrell Waltrip. Well, Barney, you know, everybody knows Dale Earnhardt has locked up the Winston Cup championship and $550,000. Congratulations to him. But there's still a lot on the line all the way down through the system. As you mentioned, Darrell Waltrip is currently second with Tim Richmond third. Second place, Barney, is $225,000. Third place is $145,000. That's an $80,000 swing. And you can bet Tim Richmond's thinking about it. That'll be a tremendous payoff at the Waldorf in a few weeks on December the 5th on Friday night up there. And the Winston Cup champion this year will collect more than half a million dollars. Well, you know, Dale won the first half of the, of the Winston Cup season with a $150,000 bonus there and then come back and, win the cha- and clinch the championship now. He's going to get 550000 Winston dollars. That doesn't count all the awards he'll get from Union Goodyear and all the other companies involved in sport. It's hard to believe right now after 29 races or 28, and we're almost 29 races, if they finish, Wayne, right where they're running at the moment, Richmond will get second in the point chased by only six points. That's how they're apart the way they're running on the track right now. Well, Mike, as you know, it's been since 1979 since we haven't come here to determine the championship. And as I say, it's typical Winston Cup season. It's been fantastic racing all year. And this is one of the best races I've ever seen here at Riverside. Been a good one all day long. That's Wayne Robertson, the director of special events for the R.J. Reynolds Tobacco Company. We'll be back at Riverside, California. Don't go away. It's far from being over. 101 laps are complete of the 119 that make up the Winston Western 500. Bill Elliott's misfortune to go to the garage area has been a benefit for Darrell Waltrip, at least a little help, and it now puts Waltrip exactly one point behind Tim Richmond should they finish exactly where they're running on the racetrack. So if Darrell can pick up one more position, that'll be a difference of $80,000. Let's check in with Jerry Punch. Well, Bill Elliott climbing out of a smoking course forward, and Bill looked like he had a pretty good day going out there today. Well, the car wasn't running too bad. I couldn't run with the GM cars, but it still wasn't doing that bad. I guess the engine came apart. It looks like that's what happened going into nine. Evidently. What, uh, it looks like Bodine and Richmond are about the two strongest horses out there. Can anybody else run with them? Maybe Earnhardt stay with them? No, Earnhardt can't run with them. It didn't look like he had anything for them. If we had to put you on the spot, Bodine and Richmond, uh, it looks like Bodine is awfully strong in that backstretch. Looks like Bodine would be the car to beat right now. Well, Bill Elliott out of it here at Riverside. Jerry, his brother, Dan Elliott, uh, here packing up the pits now and headed back to Dawsonville, Georgia. Dan, you wanted to say something? Yeah, I want to say hello to Mom and Dad back home and been a tough day already we came in early this morning we had a oil leak on the engine yesterday change engines early this morning and uh, hope we'd have a good day and have a strong finish but i guess now we'll go home and get started on the 87 season okay sorry you had that tough luck today thanks ned barney here's a look at the points waltrip has gone past bobby hillen now since both he and tim richmond have led at least a lap here today they each get five bonus points and if the way they're running right now with Richmond in second, that's 4,169 points. Waltrip, who is right now in sixth, 
41-70. Looks like one point may decide second to third. Trouble in tournament eye. One car loops around right in front of traffic, stays out of the wall, and it may put us under caution again as the car is sitting right out in traffic over there trying to get it fired. The racetrack is pretty well clear for the moment. That'll be Jim Robinson. Robinson of North Hollywood, California, has spun his hammer security holds up into nine, waits for traffic to clear, backs down the racetrack, and it looks like he may be able to pull away. The car, though, just rolled off the banking. It was not running. Richard Petty goes by without incident as Robinson has backed his car off the pavement and into the dirt. Did a good piece of driving to keep it out of the wall over there, and we will remain caution-free as the racetrack is very clear right through turn number nine. Tim Richmond's right behind Bodine as they go under the bridge. Tim Richmond trying to close it up, and it looks like the way they've been running here in the last few laps, it will be settled between these two cars for the winner of the final race of the 1986 season. Richmond is there, two car lengths back. They have left Earnhardt in their wake, so Bill Elliott predicted a moment ago that he didn't think Earnhardt had anything for him, and that has certainly come true, and caution is coming out of the speedway. Apparently there's going to be a lot of debris over in that turn where Jim Robinson spun just a moment ago, and both cars barely get woed enough to get onto pit road. Richmond hits one of the safety cones that is out there, which will be no major problem, but they will duck into the pits first. Let's go to Ned. Well, they're ready for him here in the pits, uh, Barney Hall, Harry Hyde, and the crew over. They'll change the left side, and I suspect they'll come around and change the right side tires as well. Also, Jeff Bodine following him. He's getting left side tires. Earnhardt right behind him, and I'm sure that all of them will take on four tires because any car runs faster on most any racetrack with four new tires on it, and they've got to give it their best shot here at the end of the race. Let's go to Jerry Punch. Well, Neil Wadden brings his Budweiser Chevrolet to a halt, holds up four fingers, indicating he wants four tires. Darrell Waltrip signaled his crew as he came by, said he'll be slowing down and coming in next time by. I talked with Jeff Hammond about that one-point separation between Waltrip and Richmond. They were definitely well aware of that. In fact, they told Darrell, you got to get by Bobby Hill, and you'll be one point up, and they're waiting for Waltrip to come back in this time by. Big cheer here in Tim Richmond's pits. He beat Bodine out, and they were going out of the pits. Dale Earnhardt got around Jeff Bodine, too. He was a little bit slow getting out of the pit, so that's going to put him a little farther back, and certainly that will help that point race as far as Tim Richmond is concerned. That will get interesting, too, on that restart because Bodine has had one of the fastest cars all day, and, and Earnhardt is one of the most tenacious drivers. He won't give you much asphalt out there. He's going to have to take it away. And, Dad, as far as strategy goes, Waltrip did not pit this time around, and, and I've kind of questioned that move. If he had pitted, he'd be up with those lead pack drivers. Now he's going to be behind them, and that finishing spot for him is kind of critical. Well, it, it is uh, a wonder why they did not come in. I'm sure that he wanted to catch up to the field. Maybe he figured that uh, the set of tires that he's got on there now is the best set that he's had, and he didn't want to take a chance of... We see one car going out down pit road with the gas can hanging out, and that's going to cost him some time because Dick Beatty mentioned in the driver's meeting that if they did leave the pits with a gas can hanging out, that it'll cost them 30 seconds. And I believe that was Bobby Hillen's car that went out. It was one of the Miller American cars. But anyway, uh, maybe Darrell just feels he's got the set of tires on the car that he wants now, but it is a little surprising he didn't come in. He Mike, will stay on the racetrack. He will not come in this time around. Go ahead. Well, we, we were going to comment that, Darrell, that uh, we talked to Jeff Hammond and Sandy Jones and the guys down here in the Budweiser pits. Junior Johnson came across the wall, came back and called a huddle. Everyone with a Budweiser uniform on huddle around Junior Johnson. And Junior lectured to the youngsters telling them what they were going to do. And basically what they're going to do is keep him on the racetrack up toward the front. He's got a good set of tires on the car. They feel comfortable to him. They're going to go for broke, roll it up and see if he can hang on and maybe run up front and try to beat Richmond, not only here, but for that Winston Cup second spot in the point. They'll wind it up here shortly at Riverside, California. 106 laps are on the board, 13 to go. 70,000 people here at Riverside International Raceway to see this race. That's the announced 
a spectator turnout. Hard to tell at a road course how many people are here. There are not that many grandstands, and a lot of folks like to just walk around the track, around the perimeter of the track, and get the vantage point from different angles as the cars go in and out of different turns. But nonetheless, there was a big traffic jam this morning of people trying to get into the racetrack, and there's no big jam getting out. They all want to stay and see this shootout that's about to unfold. Mike, be- while we have just a minute, let me. I got Junior Johnson in the pits here, and uh, they did not opt to bring Daryl back in. And Junior, you didn't opt to bring Daryl back in. That point race awfully tight between you and Tim Richmond. Well, that's true too. But uh, if we get the right kind of jump off of this restart, it'd be awful tough for them to get back to us. But you never know. It's a gamble, and we was willing to take it. Well, that's the man who made the gambles and made the money and won a lot of races for this team. Junior Johnson called the shot. They were going to bring him in and pit him, but Junior called it off, said there's just a few laps to go. We pitted 11 laps to go. Let's let Darrell drive this car home to victory. And Barney and Mike, there's one other thing to consider here. They do a single reef single file restarts on this road course as opposed to the double file restarts that we see on the oval tracks back home. So it does make it a little tougher for them to get up through the field. Rusty Wallace is having a traffic a transmission problem. I'll get the words right in a moment. On the uh, Allugard Pontiac, it was jammed. They're back in the pits right now trying to get it fixed so he can finish this race. And let us say that Joey Arrington, crew chief on Buddy Arrington's panel leading forward, has been named the PRW mechanic of the race. So he'll get $1,000 for that. They'll get the green next time by. From Riverside International Raceway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. We're back under green, and already Darrell Walker has shuffled back to fourth place there in the S's. It is Tim Richmond, followed by Dale Earnhardt. They've been going at it, hammer and tongs. Bodine is third, then Waltrip, Joe Rutman, Bobby Allison, Herschel McGriff, a lap car. Earnhardt off the course. But it was almost the best way because it nearly spit him back up to the inside of Richmond, and he almost had the pass to the lead. It didn't work out, but now as Richmond goes wide and six, Earnhardt looks to the inside and couldn't make the move. Waltrip on the restart last time by in turn number eight, got sandwiched in behind a slower car, and that's what shuffled him back. They're in turn eight again, nose to tail, Richmond, Earnhardt, and Bodine, then five car lanes back to Waltrip. Richmond pulling him down the field, and there's smoke coming out of the back of one of those cars as it comes onto the straightaway, but now the smoke dissipates. I think it may have been coming off of Bodine's car. Richmond has opened up six car lanes, and Bodine is right behind the second-place car. Tim Richmond, the race leader. Bodine is all over. Dale Earnhardt can't do anything with him in the back straightaway. Bodine dives to the inside of Earnhardt. He's going to get the measure of the Wrangler machine as they go into turn nine. Bodine on the inside, right wheels in the dirt. Back up on the pavement, takes Earnhardt up high. May have roughed him up a little bit in the middle of the corner. Off the turn. The leader is Richmond. Bodine is there. Three car lengths back in second. Earnhardt now is on Bodine's bumper. And Waltrip is fourth. He must finish fifth or better to hold on to second in the point chase if Tim Richmond wins. We pause 10 seconds on Motor Racing Network for station identification. Leaders headed up toward turn number six. Richmond still in command. He's got it by two and a half car lengths over Bodine and Dale Earnhardt. Then it's about a second back to Darrell Waltrip. Joe Rutman and Bobby Allison downhill off six towards turn number eight. Richmond stretches it by a car length and a half. It snaps back to a car length. And now coming off eight, Earnhardt wants a piece of Bodine trying to get by to the inside. He couldn't do it. Richmond absolutely threw that car through the first portion of turn eight. Bodine is still on his tail about two car lengths. About four car lengths back now to Dale Earnhardt and well back to 
Darrell Waltrip. This record crowd here at Riverside, California, not about to leave before this one is over. There's a lot at stake all the way back to the field. Richmond is a leader. He whips into turn number nine. Bodine, three car lengths back. Make it about a second back now to Dale Earnhardt in third place, and Waltrip has his hands full with Joe Rutman. He needs to finish exactly where he is, and Rutman is working on him going through the corner. Joe tries to get underneath him coming out of the turn. Won't be able to do it. But Rutman's making a good run at Waltrip. Leader still, Tim Richmond, two car lengths ahead of Jeff Bodine, as these two have really been at it all day long. Nine laps to go. They work back into the S's. Fitting it should boil down to these two drivers, although several others still have a shot. Richmond has stretched it to two to three car lengths over Bodine in the S's. Earnhardt fading off the pace, about another eight cars back. Then it's a dozen or so more back to Waltrip and forth. Rutman and Allison turning in a nice ride, holding in sixth position. And let's keep our eyes on Joe Rutman and Allison. Not so much Bobby for the moment, but Rutman is with a half car length of Waltrip draws to within a third of a car length but follows Darrell's tire tracks through number six. They both go wide off the corner. That's the battle we're watching the fourth and fifth and it's Ruffman makes a move to the inside but Waltrip outmaneuvers him to the inner lane in turn number eight and shuts off the challenge while the leaders are on the back stretch. And Bill, I think it was right. Nobody can do anything about Richmond and Bodine as they are pulling away from Dale Earnhardt but not from each other. The margin now as they go under the spark plug bridge, about four car lengths. Back to turn number nine, and they'll come around to complete this next lap. The two leaders well out ahead of third place Earnhardt. Rutman is right on the back bumper of Waltrip. If he gets past, we have one, we've got we a have car in trouble coming down the back straightaway. There is flame underneath the car. It is still rolling. Checking the number. It is the uh, car of Al Unser. The fire is now out. Al coasting along the outside of the circuit. Still a little bit of flame under the car as he coasts under the bridge. Here is Rutman to the inside of Waltrip. This will be for fourth spot. Didn't do it. If he got for th- fourth spot, rather, if he gets past, Bobby Allison could cost Darrell 80 grand in season-ending payout. They're in the S's. Waltrip is really hustling to stay in front of Rutman. He's got the advantage for the moment. Rutman's turned in a good ride today. Of course, he's about two car lengths behind. Allison another four or so back. That's the battle for fourth, fifth, and sixth. The front two cars, they have pulled away from Earnhardt, who's in third. As a matter of fact, Richmond now has six car lengths on Bodine. But it's Waltrip, Rutman, and Allison who come past us now, uphill into six. They shift again as they gun it towards number eight downhill. It's just about a car lane separating those three cars. Waltrip, then a car lane back to Rutman, then a car lane back to Bobby Allison. The right-hander, then the quick left-handed kink onto the backstretch. Will Junior Johnson's gamble hold up for Darrell Waltrip and Darrell's final ride for Johnson? Waltrip is holding off Joe Rutman about three car lengths now and five car lengths back to Bobby Allison. Caution is coming out of the speedway. Al Unser Sr. has pulled his car onto the grass area just going into turn number nine and the NASCAR officials taking no chances quickly put the caution flag out. Unser is out of the car. He's all right, but we still see quite a bit of smoke out of it. But caution is on the speedway. Perhaps they can get that car out of the way and still finish this thing under green. But that's going to be a break for a lot of drivers again. They'll race back to the flag. Richmond ahead of Bodine by about six car lengths. Earnhardt third. Trip holds off Joe Rutman and Bobby Allison to run in the fourth spot. There was a lot of smoke pouring from Allen's car, even though he'd gotten it well off the racing surface. Looked like it might still have been on fire. The rescue truck will go out and quickly push that car off the track and see if maybe we can get this race back under green. Ned, what do you do now in Darrell Waltrip's case? You're under caution. Perhaps he might have a chance to duck in. He's been running well enough to hold off Joe Rutman. That's going to be a hard decision for everybody in that front six or eight. Well, it really will be, Barney, but I'll tell you, having to go to the rear of the field now, if everybody would come into the fifth, that's fine. You hope that you beat some of them back out. But if he 
makes a pit stop. He's got to go to the rear of the field. Not much time left. It'd be awfully tough for him to come back up and get back to where he is now. Now the tires on Rutman and Allison's car are beginning to get a little bit heated up, too the new tires that they put on during that last caution. So he might be getting close back to equal with them again now. So I don't think that it'd be a good idea to come in the pits right now. And, Barty, before we get it back, I got Richard Petty just climbed out of the STP Pontiac and put it here in the back part of the garage area, and we'll try to get a comment with Richard. Richard uh, getting a couple of salt tablets taken in his mouth and a nice cold drink. Uh, the STP Pontiac uh, looked to have a pretty good run going out there, but you got a little bit banged up. Well, we had a little trouble. Uh, I spun one time going in. Nine, uh, the car was real loose. We got that all squared away and got back up. I don't know, fourth, fifth, somewhere, run pretty good. And uh, following Rusty through the S's there, and somebody run off way up there, and he seen a little dust, and he he locked it down. I just creamed him, and we lost a lot of time. And then we had to come in and change tires. When we did that, we got a lap down, and something finally, I think the rear end finally locked up on the thing. It made it to the pit road, and now it won't even move. <laughs> Richard Petty climbs out of the S to people. I said. Salt tablets, those were goodies he was taking after climbing out of a long day in the STP Pontiac. Richard Petty can laugh at misfortune. He's looking really forward to 1987 because toward the end of the year this year, that team has really come together. We'll be back at Riverside to wind up the Winston Western 500 with six laps to go. Here's the way they're running. It'll be five laps to go this time by, and we may get back to green in another lap here. Richmond, the race leader, Bodine in second, Earnhardt in third, Waltrip in fourth. Remember, regardless of what Richmond does, he must finish fifth or better to earn second in the Winston Cup rundown. Fifth is Joe Rutman. Sixth is Bobby Allison. Seventh is Bobby Hillen. Now talk about point battles. He needs to move up past Kyle Petty for the last spot on the NASCAR winner's circle, and that can be worth, what, $200,000. So talk about a point battle there. Hillen is seventh, eighth is Rusty Wallace, one lap behind. Ninth is Neil Bonnet, tenth is Ken Schrader, eleventh is Terry Labonte. Three laps down, in the twelfth spot, they're showing Glenn Sturrer, thirteenth is Bill Schmidt, fourteenth is Kyle Petty, and fifteenth Buddy Arrington, sixteenth is Jimmy Means, and Ricky Rudd lost four laps on pit road. He's the seventeenth place car. From the Riverside International Raceway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. Back at Riverside, California, we're getting set to go racing and just running down looking at the various point battles. Today's Winston Western 500 is another event in the Gatorade Circle of Champions. Last Sunday, the NASCAR All-American Series ran their final race, the World Crown 300. Darrell Waltrip, the winner at Georgia International Speedway. Yesterday, Duke Hohenschel started last, finished first in his Fisher Trans Am to win the NASCAR Grand American Southwest Tour Motorcraft Car Quest 300. He beat Ron Esau and Doug Taylor to the checkered flag here at Riverside yesterday. Let's go to Jerry Punch before the restart. We caught up with Al Unser, who climbed out of the Valvoline Pontiac. And, Al, a pretty wild ride back there, a lot of flame. First of all, you didn't get burned or anything, did you? No, I didn't. I just, uh, I guess the engine let go at uh, one of those things. You had a pretty good day going in the Dingman Brothers car for out here. Well, you know, they we put a big effort into it and tried to do as well as we could. We, uh, you know, just coming in one show at a time like this makes it hard for the team and for me. But the team did a heck of a job, the Valvoline uh, car, you know, responded very well, and uh, of course, Billy Dingman, I uh, appreciate the ride. Uh, I love to race, so uh, it makes it good. That's Al Unser, out of it here at Riverside. There'll be four laps to go as they whistle back into turn number nine. The leader is Tim Richmond, and really putting the pressure on him now is Jeff Bodine, his teammate. They come off the corner ahead of Dale Earnhardt by about a half a second. Earnhardt closes up a little bit. Waltrip hangs on to fourth. Ruttman is fifth. As they cross the stripe, there are four laps to go. Richmond takes him up over the hump. We'll be going back into the S's. Just about two car lengths separate the first five. Jeff Bodine trying to find some strength as they work through turn two, but Richmond is in command. Earnhardt trying to move in on Bodine. Hasn't had any success. 
Sitting fourth, of course, Waltrip. Then it's Rutman, Allison, Bobby Hillen, Jr., followed by Neil Bonnet. As Tim Richmond well knows at this racetrack, he can have the lead with a lap to go and not necessarily win it. He found out in June. Now here's Earnhardt. He wants a piece of Bodine for second place, but he can't make the inside work off number six, but it was awfully close, and Earnhardt will likely try that again later. But all of that battling with Bodine has allowed Tim Richmond to pull away by eight to ten car lengths now entering the back stretch. Richmond with a very good line coming off of turn eight, a good angle to get onto the back straightaway, and he may expand that lead as he goes down the hill toward the bridge. Bodine hanging on to second place. He's got about four car lengths on Earnhardt. Then it's Waltrip. He is about three car lengths ahead of Joe Rutman. And Barney, no person here has a bigger concern about those first and second place cars than Rick Hendrick standing here in Richmond's pits. Rick, do you have a favorite among those two drivers? Absolutely not. I, you know, I'm pulling for both of them. I hope the best guy wins. You know, I, that's all I can say, Ned. Of course, he owns both of these cars. Next year, you're going to have three cars. you got to have a strong heart to endure this kind of competition. I'm not sure I can make it. I might have to stay at home. I'm not sure. Okay, he looks like he needs a good headache product right now. Well, he's pulling for both his drivers, and right now it looks like Tim Richmond is pulling away just a little bit up in front of Rick Benjamin. Richmond has opened up about a four-car length advantage, Barney, as they work through the S's, but I just can't seem to move in on it. Now Earnhardt has dropped a little further back in third. Quite a ways back to Waltrip in fourth as we wind toward the close. Joe Rutman has not yet let that battle between himself and Darrell Waltrip evaporate because he's within a half car length of Darrell. Again in six, Earnhardt once more tries the inside on Bodine. The car just wiggles back and forth, but Earnhardt couldn't get it to stick and make the move. So down to turn number eight in that right-hander. It's still Tim Richmond showing the way by ten car lengths. Richmond looking very strong right now as well he should since he won the pole and shattered Jimmy Insulo's stock car record by more than a mile an hour as he comes thundering down the home straightaway. He's got a 15 car length advantage. Waltrip running in fourth and Joe Rutman is not closing ground on Darrell Waltrip. With Waltrip fourth he could wrap up second place in the Winston Cup point standings. Richmond would end up third. Right now Bill Elliott would hold on to fourth in the standings. Ricky Rudd would have to pass four cars and there are no cars on the same lap as him in order to move up into that fourth spot. In fact Rudd has just been passed by Terry Labonte on the racetrack going into turn number nine. Here comes Richmond leading them off the corner. Two laps to go. That Harry Hyde prepared Folger Chevrolet. A lot of dings in the door. Jeff Bodine running about eight, nine car lengths back. Earnhardt is there in third. Waltrip fourth. Rutman fifth. Sixth is Bobby Allison. Seventh is Bobby Hill. And an eighth is Neil Bonnet. They're in the S's. It is still Richmond by a commanding margin each time by. Bodine has slipped a little further back. Richmond is on the button completely. Now Earnhardt may have a shot at Bodine as they move towards six. Earnhardt closing right up on Bodine's back bumper for second. This is as close as Dale has been going into number six. Again, he takes the wide entrance of the turn. The right side tires over the rumple strip, or the rumple strip, if you will, to the inside of the racetrack. But once more, the car doesn't get the good grab off the corner and he can't make the pass in Earnhardt's case. And as Richmond pulls away, Earnhardt still continues that battle for second, chasing Bodine. That Earnhardt-Bodine battle may make Darrell Waltrip's heart absolutely stop because if they get tangled, he's going to have to try to find a way not to get caught in that mess. The margin between Bodine and Earnhardt is one and a half car lengths. Tim Richmond has really turned her up. He's almost two seconds ahead of the second-place car now, Jeff Bodine. That's where the battle will be. will be for second spot as they work into turn number nine. Earnhardt tries to overhaul him going into the corner. Won't be able to do anything with him. He closes to just about a couple of feet there, but Earnhardt's car will not hang at the bottom of the racetrack. Bodine's car will stick right at the bottom. 
out of the corner. He tries to get underneath him coming out of the turn, and he's there. Dale Earnhardt, white flag for the leader, but the battle is for second. Earnhardt and Bodine go up over the hump and head for the S's exactly door to door. Fender defender it is. Earnhardt has the rail working to two, and he's got second spot. Dale Earnhardt has snuck inside Jeff Bodine for second, and now he's pulling away. It looks as though Bodine has lost some strength there in the last 10 or 15 laps because Earnhardt has opened up five, six-car lengths now over, over Bodine in the battle for second spot. Now it's Darrell Waltrip who might try and make the move on Bodine, although he doesn't necessarily have to here, at least as far as Winston Cup points, but he's going for it. Waltrip makes a move to the inside of Bodine, but he can't pull it off as Jeff outguns him off number six. But as Richmond pulls away, and Earnhardt is comfortably in second, that battle for third rages on, and Waltrip is there again as he tries to make an inside move on Bodine. Richmond in the Folgers machine is still driving very hard through turn eight, despite the fact that he's got a better than a two-second lead. Bodine is pulled out very comfortably now in uh, rather Earnhardt in second place. Bodine in third, and Joe Ruttman is closing down on Waltrip. Tim Richmond comes out from under the bridge with a lead of two seconds. Rutman is right on the back bumper of Waltrip. Last chance for Rutman to get past Waltrip. It won't make any difference in the points. Here's Waltrip going after Bodine. Richmond is all alone for the win. Earnhardt gets high up in the marbles, loses a lot of ground in turn number nine, but there's single file coming off the corner behind him. Richmond takes the checkered flag. Earnhardt for second, no pass. It's Bodine for third, Waltrip fourth. Rutman will be fifth. Sixth is Neil Bonnet. Seventh is Bobby Hillen. Eighth is Bobby Allison. And ninth would be Rusty Wallace, according to our unofficial rundown here in the tower. We'll double-check that with scoring, and we'll be going to Victory Lane for the celebration after this. Here's Juice Newton. NASCAR Today continues on the Motor Racing Network. Richmond has pulled out the win, and the battle most of the day concerned Darrell Waltrip trying to put himself up in the second place in the Winston Cup points, which was worth $80,000. And unofficially, the way we figured, he should have done that. Boy, he had quite a battle there the last 20 laps to do it, though. Well, he did, Barney. He had his hands full, and that gamble at the Junior Johnson crew pulled and left Waltrip on the racetrack. Didn't hurt him as bad as it might have. Of course, when the cars line up for restarts here, they all move lap cars to the inside and cars in the lead lap to the outside, and that left Earnhardt, or rather Waltrip, only a one-car cushion between himself, Tim Richmond, and the rest of the field. But the car was working well enough. Darrell hung on, got himself a fourth-place finish, and that should be worth second place in the final Winston Cup tally. It's going to be a minute or two before we'll be able to get to the winner in victory lane here this afternoon. They're taking most of the cars over to the gas pumps right now. Perhaps Jerry Punch can catch up with some of the second- and third-place finishers. It was, as we have said, everybody that's been in the booth today said it's been the best race they've ever seen at Riverside, California. I will concur with that because we have seen some really knockdown, drag-out racing all day long in every end of the speedway. Oh, I think so. I, I'll be interested to get Jeff Bodine's comments the one time he and Earnhardt really got together. He muscled Earnhardt up out of the groove up there in turn number nine, but this last time just didn't have enough to hold him off. Dale Earnhardt got past him, and Earnhardt picked up the spot. I believe Jerry Punch is with Dale. He's just climbing out of the Wrangler Chevrolet. First of all, Dale, a heck of a job driving his last few laps. Tell us about it. A pretty tight battle. Well, we got behind there on an early pit stop, but, uh, you know, we come back. The Wrangler crew worked awful hard and uh, come back up front, but, uh, you know, uh, I want to tell Sandy that Will's okay. Uh, he might have broke his foot, but he's all right. He's hospitally checking him over now. Those last few laps looked like there was a little bit of bumping and grinding. Sort of good good racing over there in nine, you and uh, you and uh, Jeffrey. It got a little rough, but rougher than I thought it should be because, you know, I was giving him room. But, you know, I, that's racing. I hate it happen, but, uh, you know, I, 
It knocked my front end out on a car earlier in the race with a little incident with Hillen, but, uh, you know, if I had the front end straight, I might have could have done something with Tim. We'd come back and run off a strong, and I, I could run him real hard, and the front end got pushing out a little bit in the corner down here, and I couldn't just couldn't hold on to him after he run a while. Again, our congratulations. Headed to New York, and you're going to pick up another big check. Uh, I know you don't need the money, but I know you'll, you'll take the check. It's the same. Yeah, I, I will. Uh, you know, I like to say thanks to all my fans and uh, everybody to push us on, help us with the championship, and, uh, you know, it was just a great year for us. Dale Earnhardt in the Wrangler Chevrolet, and uh, Jeff Bodine having climbed out of his car over here in the Levi Garrett Chevrolet. We'll try to get a comment with Jeff Bodine if we can. Uh, Jeffrey sat in with me. Jeff, uh, those last few laps are a little bit wild, but uh, that's what you got to do to try to win, huh? Well, we had a bust of steering box gear. I went off the course, tried to catch Tim up through the S's, and it uh, hit a bump, and it broke the steering box. Uh, couldn't steer the car very good after that. That's why Dale got by me, and I had my hands full, but it was a good run. You know, we put a show on for the people. I think that's why they come here. I know that's why they come here, so we're happy with it. The car performed well, and, uh, you know, we really have a lot of momentum towards next year. Uh, our performance this year has been so good. I want to say hi to my Two sons, Matthew and Barry, and Sonia, I love you. See you in a few days. Rick Hendrickson, I didn't think his heart could take it today, seeing you and, and uh, Tim out there. And next year, I'm sure he's not going to take it. You're going to have to have an oxygen bottle around with you for three of you out there battling like that. Well, who is that guy right behind me at the finish? That's right. He's my teammate next year. and I'm sure the fans and Rick and everybody's going to see the three cars up front next year. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be great. Again, congratulations on a good run. Thanks a lot, Jerry. We'll be going to Victory Lane in a moment. From the Riverside International Raceway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. Got to be a minute yet before we can get to Victory Lane so quickly. Uh, we'll take a quick spin around the speedway here to get a nomination for the Timex Timeliest Move of the Race Award. Let's go to Rick Benjamin. I don't know, Barney. I would have to give it to Darrell Waltrip today and the Junior Johnson crew for disdaining that last pit stop, keeping Darrell on the track, giving him a shot and the, the eventual second place in the Winston Cup point standing. Eli Gold? I'm going to nominate Benny Parsons for that move through the dirt that eventually allowed him to miss Ted Kennedy, whose car was stopped in the S's back early in the event. Bob Steinbrink? I vote for Junior Johnson for keeping Darrell out there. Uh, two votes that way, Jerry Punch. I'll give a vote to Junior, Junior Johnson, and, I, uh, and his driver I have with me here, uh, both Daryl Waltrip and Joe Rutman standing with me. And, Daryl, let me just make a comment to you. You guys, you and Joe here, had a pretty good run those last few laps, and you knew that if this guy got by you, that $80,000 from second to third might go away. Yeah, I, you know, I knew, but I don't think Joe knew, and so uh, I motioned to him a couple of times. I don't think he ever did see me. I tried to get him to come up alongside of me. I thought, well, maybe he don't want to talk to me. So uh, <laughs> it was a deal. You know, we were racing hard, and uh, – he could have easily got by me, but my car was pretty good right at the end of the race, so uh, it was a good day for us. Junior elected not to bring you in on that last pit stop and come in and change tires. He felt if you stayed up front, maybe you could hang on just on your raw ability alone to be able to hold them off, and you did. Yeah, that was a good deal. It uh, put a lot of pressure on me, but it worked. Well, Darrell Walter, congratulations on a, good, a pretty good season and a second-place finish in the points. Thank you very much. We're real happy, and I'm glad it was a safe day for everybody, and thanks, Joe. <laughs> hey, Pat, Joe. He pats Joe Rutman on the on the, on the shoulder. Let me just get a comment from Joe. Joe, it's a good way to go out. Last ride in the Bernstein car, and uh, pretty good effort for you here in front of the hometown folks. Well, I was really uh, pleased with the way the car ran, and I'd, I'd like to have this opportunity to thank uh, Larry and the crew because uh, without those guys, it would have been a long, hard season from about halfway on, and they, they were able to keep me up a little bit. And it's, uh, it was a little difficult, but uh, this way here, at least uh, I give them 110% all the whole day, and I hope they appreciate it. I'm sure they will. Joe Rutman. Well, uh, on the, on points, 
Darrell Waltrip and his Junior Johnson team will win the Timex Timeliest Move of the Race Award and the cash that goes with it. Ned? Yeah, we're in Victor Lane with Tim Richmond here. <laughs> Apparently we had a little problem with the equipment. Tim, congratulations, boy, on another super run. Thank you very much. It was... Uh it didn't look like, you know, we had to struggle a lot today, and we had to pretty much, you know, use the car up to catch up, and then uh, we, we tried to play as smart a race as we could as not to use, uh, you know, way too much of the car, but I had a lot of friends here, Mary Fran and all the people like that, my mom and uh, TG and Rick Hendrick, and, you know, I had a lot of support today, which, uh, plus the support I've had from the Folgers crew by... Uh, led by Harry Hyde has been nothing but sort of phenomenal, and, and it's made me look real good this year, and here we are number seven. Hey, that was sort of the way you like to race anyway, though, wasn't it? I know. I'd rather run away from them if I can and not make it too close, but uh, uh, I would have rather raced them hard, but uh, we had a brake problem all day. Uh, wheel hopping the rear end of the car, and it was giving us some problems. With new tires, wasn't all that bad, but uh, we didn't. We really couldn't run as hard as we uh, would have liked to have with the car had we had the uh, the brakes a little bit better than what they were. Well, congratulations, Tim, on that seventh race of the season, seventh win, and a super 1986. Thank you very much. I've, I've had a great time, and uh, I want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas a little bit early and a Happy New Year, and uh, I just got my Christmas present right now. Okay, and he's going to go over here and take advantage because there is going to be a lot of celebration here in Victory Lane. T.G. Shepard standing by. T.G., I know that I you're just, just as happy as Tim well, Richmond is. I just is. told Tim that I'd pay the first month's rent because we're talking about renting a house out here together in L.A., so... <laughs> We talked about it before the race, so I just walked up and I said, well, a little extra bonus. It's not really cash, but I'll pay the first month's rent. It's exciting. Okay, Tim Richmond going to uh, make his home out here in Hollywood uh, during the winter months uh, because he signed yeah. a uh, contract with an agent here to do a little bit of movie work, I guess. Well, he'll fit right in, I can I say guess. that. That'll yeah. just about wrap it up here from Riverside, California, and wind up the 1986 Winston Cup season. And if, any, if next year is going to be anything like this, and they say it's going to be even better, I don't know if we can stand it or not. I'm not sure we can, Barney. Bill Elliott got the Goodies Headache Award today. Darrell Waltrip's team won the Ingersoll Rand Pit Crew Championship for the day. Jeff Bodine's team had already wrapped that up for the season. True Value Hard Charger Award for this afternoon to Jeff Bodine. Uh, Dale Earnhardt had wrapped that one up as well for 1986, as well as the Stuart Warner Track Force Award. Chevrolet being the NASCAR Manufacturer's Champion for 1986. Randy Dorton of Hendrick Motorsports is the Michigan Engine Bearings NASCAR Engine Builder of the Year. Richmond's victory, his seventh of the season, earns him the green jacket from Gatorade, the Circle of Champions, and Richmond's pole position here in a deadlock with Jeff Bodine, but Richmond on the tiebreaker will win the Bush Beer Pole Award and the 30 grand that goes with it for 1986. All that money will be handed out at the NASCAR Winston Cup Awards Banquet Friday night, December 5th, and we'll broadcast it on Motor Racing Network. Ned Jarrett and I will be upstairs, Barney Hall will be at the podium, and we'll bring you all the excitement and pageantry of the NASCAR Banquet on most of these MRN stations. All of MRN stations, or many of them, carry NASCAR Live every Tuesday night. This Tuesday, call in your questions toll-free to Junior Johnson. And a week from Tuesday, Kenny Bernstein, the owner of the Quaker State Buick. I want to thank Martha Mew Oliver and Louise Frazier, who were on the scoring loop this season. Harry Howard, our assistant engineer, and our in-car radio this season has been provided by Nelson Crozier and Nelson Specialties. Benny Parsons and Ricky Rudd worked with us on the in-car radio this afternoon. Our apologies, we didn't get a chance to talk with them with all the action that was going on around the racetrack. Many of you get MRN during the winter months in NASCAR Live and hope you listen in every Tuesday night and to our banquet show Friday night, December 5th. For those of you who won't have that pleasure, we want to wish all of you a very safe and happy holiday season. And we'll be speaking to you from Speed Weeks 1987 at the World Center of Racing, Daytona Beach, in February. Thanks to Rick Benjamin, Eli Gold, Bob Steinbrink, and Jerry Punch, who helped cover the action today. Two-time Grand National Champion, Ned Jarrett. For Barney Hall, this is Mike Joy congratulating Tim Richmond and hoping that 
all of you folks have a safe and happy holiday and that we can talk to you once again in 1987 from Daytona. The Motor Racing Network's coverage of the NASCAR Winston Cup Series from the Riverside International Raceway has been sponsored by Anheuser-Busch, Brewers of Bush Beer, Head for the Mountains of Bush, by Pontiac, America's road car company, Pontiac, we build excitement, by Wrangler Brand, a legend in jeans, by Piedmont Airlines, the official airline of NASCAR, by STP Oil Treatment, the advanced technological formula that helps your engine run cleaner with less wear, by Timex Corporation, the official timekeeper for NASCAR, by Gatorade Thirst Quencher. Gatorade gives your body what it's thirsty for. By True Value Hardware Stores. The more you've got to do, the more you need True Value Hardware. By Kentucky Fried Chicken. We do chicken right. By Stuart Warner, the symbol of excellence in automotive gauges. By Antifreeze containing Allugard, the premium quality antifreeze formula. By Unical, the winning spirit rides with you every time. It's the spirit of 76. And by Ocean's 11 Resorts on beautiful Daytona Beach. The general manager of the Motor Racing Network is John McMullen. Chief engineer, Brian Cooper. Director of affiliates, Alan Bestwick. Assistants, Pat Hensley and Cheryl Parkman. This is Rick Lewis speaking. This broadcast was a presentation of MRN, the Motor Racing Network, a division of International Speedway Corporation. This week's MRN Classic Race has been brought to you by Hercules Tires.